process of transferring tape two Saturday April twentieth year two thousand thirteen. in their wake. Yeah, they do. My rabbit was named Hoppy. I, you know, I really created her name. She lived five years, and that's a long time for a rabbit, but I called her Hoppy, so. What color was she? Uh, she was white. She was white. She was a big, big rabbit, you know. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, mm -hmm. white rabbit. Mm -hmm. All right, now, Eva, how did you wind up with the name Frank for a little tiny bunny? He came with the name. Oh, well, I guess that would work. Yeah, some friends of ours found him hopping around a nearby beach town, and they, they said, you're not a wild rabbit, so they took him home and gave him a place to live, but their landlord wouldn't let them keep him, so Frank moved in with us. A landlord wouldn't let somebody keep a rabbit. I'm, I'm assuming that must have been a no-pet no pet policy across the board, heaven help you if you have a fish type person. <laughs> no. Dear me. So what? Are, what? What is Frank eating? Is he eating rabbit food, or what? What? What is he living on? He gets to eat uh, processed hay pellets, <laughs> which look really unappetizing. But they have vitamins and probiotics added, so uh -huh. that's what little bunnies are supposed to eat. It turns out carrots are not good for them; they're too much um, too much sugar in a carrot. Huh. And he's uh, supposed to have a lot of lettuce, although it tends to it gives him the run, so we try not to. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have... A whole new, new meaning to John Updike's novel, Run Rabbit. <laughs> run Rabbit. Oh, my rabbit goodness. Run. Oh, my goodness. You need a pediatrician here. <laughs> I think we do. Yeah, what a cutie. What a cutie. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I can send two things to you. Okay. All right. Now, let me see here. How much old-time radio have you been involved with? Oh. I, when I say involved with, are, are, you, are you familiar with various genres, or do you stick with one or two? Well, I spent, um, right after we got married, when I wasn't working, I spent... 12 hours a day listening to old-time radio, so, wow. but it, it's been a few years since I really listened hard. But I'm, I'm, I'm familiar more with the, the sort of mainstream stuff, the whistlers, the detective shows, the comedies. Okay, well, boy, that's pretty broad. We, we can do that. Who was Effie Perrine? Oh, you asked a good one. Effie Perrine was Sam Spade's second. Oh, oh, way yeah. to go, way to go. I forget the actress's name, but it was her name was Muffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, cousin. Uh, that's right. Uh, that was Lorraine Tuttle who played Effie, and then one, one, sometime when Effie wasn't there, her daughter, her daughter, would was substitute, and she would go by the word Buffy. Oh wow! And her daughter was married to, um, John. Who's the great music composer for Star Wars and all the famous, all the famous movies? Uh, yeah, I, I know who you mean. John, um, woo -hoo, woo -hoo, help. Oh man. Anyway, the guy who won all these Oscars. That was, she was, that, that was, 
That was she was married to. Oh. And narrows it That's down. So funny, but I had no idea that was Lorene Tuttle's daughter. She's probably my favorite radio actor. I know, but that was her daughter. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever interview her? Yeah. Well, I I met Lorene. I met her at Spurvac dinner, and I have some interviews in my archive. But she was gone before I before I ever got to her. And yeah, it, same thing with her daughter. Yeah. Now, did she stay after um after Rachel Hammond was? Pushed out? Yes. I know that the, the lead actor, um, Howard uh, Duff, left. Yes, but no, they stayed. Okay. They stayed, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They sure did. When uh, Stephen Dunn took over, they they stayed. I, I gotta say, I, I just, that made me so sad. I, he's a good actor, but I just can't listen to the shows without the, the Hammett dialogue. How, when, uh, yeah, well, it was really definitely Howard Duff's show. There was no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, he, he made it go. Yeah, he did. He had more character in that character. It was wonderful. How about John Williams? Does That's that sound it. right? John Williams, yeah. Lorraine Tuttle's daughter was married to John Williams. And then uh, she died very young. And uh, Lorraine remained very close to John Williams until, until she passed away. Oh. Yeah. We have so many sad stories. I know. I this know. is terrible. I know. And and Ripley died at age fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Ivan wants wants me to find the Canary Show, and I know I have it. And if I don't, if I can't dig it up in my whatever pile, I will go out and find it wherever I found it the first time. So you'll have the Canary Show. Or you have to help me find something else for you. For Eva, you bet. What do you want, Eva? Oh. Well, how about this? How about some Sam Spade? <gasps> oh, how about some Sam Spade? Yeah. And that'll give me a chance to listen to some myself. Sure. I can do that. That sounds good. And I'll, I'll even share it with a friend who's a big fan of uh, Sam Spade, but I don't think he listens to the radio. Oh, wow. We'll uh, uh, you've got to get these people moving in the right direction. I know, I know. Well, actually, I just ran into a woman. She works. She's the executive director of a museum where I'm starting to do some volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And I, I just happened to say, because it's California now, of course, I happened to say, has anybody ever heard of the romance of the rancheros? <laughs> and everybody at the meeting looked at me like I was insane. That's <laughs> the director who said, yes, I own them all. <laughs> really? And oh, my goodness. I've only got a handful. That she, I know. She quietly confessed that she loved old-time radio, and I sent her the link to Yesterday USA. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh, this is great. We we have a second promoter here. We have a manager. Would you be our producer or something? I don't know about that, but I I sure do enjoy Lately Ivan. It's been letting me do the pitch in between his Treasure Ivan shows. Uh And I Uh tell everybody how important it is, if they love what they're hearing, to send money to Yesterday USA. Oh, you are good. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say out loud while you were on the phone and not wait for you to hang up, you have got the most marvelous voice and conversational style. It is just wonderful. When is Ivan going to give you a show? Well, from, from coming from the two of you who are our Saturday night regulars, that means a lot. So thank you. Well, you wow. Have, you I mean, really, stuff. it is just knock my ears off, which is different from knock your socks off. <laughs> it, it's easy when there's some good interviewers. So, listen, I, I'm going to I'm gonna let you guys well, go. What, and, before you go, Eva, if you do come down for the Spovac meeting, are you going to come down Saturday morning, go back Saturday afternoon at that 
adapt the game plan? Down Friday night. Okay. But, uh, Ivan's giving a concert in Santa Barbara Friday morning, and so we're gonna have lunch with a friend, and then we're gonna head head for the valley. Um, oh, because you know why? Because Bill and Kim are gonna be in the valley Friday afternoon. Oh, you're kidding. No, because we're gonna Michael Fein, uh, the Pacific Pine broadcasters one, can we're honoring Michael Feinstein. Oh wow! You know, Ivan went to. Um, North Hollywood High School with Michael Fine. Well, I mean, that's who they're honoring. So Bill... He, he, went to, he went with Glenn Gold. Never mind. Okay. Well, yeah, that's who... So Bill and Kim are going to be down there at that time. Oh, wow. So, anyway, maybe we can all hook up somehow. Yeah, maybe. You okay. Know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch as our plans get more firmed up. Because we right. may also be staying over Saturday night, too, depending upon whether we have a commitment that we have to meet Saturday night or Sunday night. We don't know yet. Got it. Okay. Well, keep us posted. Well, I am so looking forward to coming to Spurback. That'd be good. I'm full of mine, so yeah. I'm real excited. Well, I want you guys to come down for the convention, so if you get, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be fun to have you down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we're really looking forward to meet, meeting you. And Patricia, you got to get out to the West Coast. I know. Walden said he would adopt me and I could live in his garage. <laughs> no, Mama says she got, Mama says she can live... She's an inside. She's an inside house pet, so she gets. I, out. <laughs> I'm an inside pet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you. Like Frank. Yeah. <laughs> but please don't feed me hay pellets, okay? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that'll be a problem. Well, listen, I'll, I'll let you guys get going, and let's look forward to hearing all the other folks who call in, and we'll look forward to hearing you next week too. Thank you, Eva. Oh, great! Thanks, Eva. Have a great week. You too. All right. Bye. 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 That was so. Treasure Ivan and our Treasure Eva. Treasure Ivan is one of our DJs and has um, children's music. Can you imagine? Children's music. Ivan, you you found a keeper. You found a keeper in Eva. What can yes, I say? you have a keeper, Ivan. Oh, mm -hmm. Hello there, Carl. You on there? That was a very pleasant call. Wasn't that something, Ron? Yeah. I mean, that was really neat to hear a woman call on the show. I know, there are, dangerous, there are dangerous species, females that call. Yeah, I know. We I know. I worry about them. Yeah, I know. I yeah. just called to let Patricia know that the ponies got restless at my house. They're leaving on Thursday. Oh, my goodness. They should have a fresh batch of stuff, and you should get it by Monday um, of next week. And in in the batch, there's a sampler. Um and in this chapter, there's about a hundred some odd shows. Man, there are some real interesting shows that you probably never heard of, and me, I never heard of. But listen to them because they're they're quite interesting, even if you never heard of them before. I love listening to old shows that I have never heard of before. I really do, Ron. That is so much fun. And when they're all sprinkled all over the place, I don't have to listen to a whole run. I've just got one. Ah, I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really interesting because today, for some reason, I decided to listen to some of the things that on the sampler. And I just have written this down, but... um. Yeah, there are some real interesting stories that I never knew existed, <clears throat> but probably Walden did. But anyway, <laughs> Walden knows a lot of stuff. I don't know about that. I, 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 I just think people just assume I just know everything. Well, 
Isn't well, we're not too far off. Gee. Yeah, right. But didn't that, isn't that what you told me two days ago? That you know everything. That what it is. But anyway, so I'm looking forward for you to receive, and then there'll be um, a whole bunch of John Steele Adventure, which is really cool. Show those on mutual, and um, yeah, you you receive some stuff that I'm sure you. Never heard of when Rolling Stone. So, very this, cool. Yeah, with that in mind, I'm excited because I want your opinion on certain things after a while, and um, yeah, so something to look forward to anyway. Um, how's the weather in California? It's Santa Ana. It's warm. It's warm and dry. So <laughs> it we're, we're a little concerned around here for fires right now. There have been. Uh, some fires been breaking up and down LA and some places around here, so, um, you know, traditionally Santa Ana used to be September, but we're, we've been running into it for the last two or three days, so, um, so that, that, but, you know, besides that, that's good. Yeah, it's been kind of warm here in Hawaii. Did it, yesterday we had nice, fragrant weather, really, today it was kind of dry, but, you know, um, not to bring back old stuff, but wasn't it really, really tough to listen to what happened in Boston on Monday? Oh, dear. Yeah. It, it oh, the, the, so, the whole scenario. It was so tough, and, and you really felt for the people in Boston, and, and, and saddened by people who got hurt mercifully, you know, like people who had their limbs amputated and stuff, and I was hearing stories that doctors found it very hard because they were pulling nails out of little children. Yeah, I had to, you know, we had to listen to it. Even, you know, though we don't know who they are, where we don't live in Boston, you could feel the, the, the sadness in the whole situation, the anger and everything that goes with them, you know, these kind of things. That, it was so nice to hear that it came to an end pretty much yesterday, you know, was it? Yeah, I, yesterday. I, I, thought it was really, I thought it was really heartwarming that the, uh, the community was just giving the police big how you do round flies, you know, just treating the police as they were, you know, breaking they away. They were cheering. Yeah. yeah. They were cheering. Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. what was nice to hear, I think the whole country, we all rallied around the people in Boston. I mean, we... We, we felt for them, we prayed for them. Yep. I think you could feel that everybody was concerned and everybody was hurt by the situation and everybody was touched by the situation and everybody felt so happy when these two were finally you know, caught everything else. It was really interesting. I, You know who had the best radio coverage of the whole thing, Ron? Who? The BBC. I was tuning in after midnight on the local KPCC station, which picked up the BBC, and the night, you know, when they were, the, uh, the high, you know, when the, uh, the bombers were found, they, the BBC was calling to people live in their home, in the community, and they were giving up to date how the churches and everything, how they were being, um, you know, the police was knocking the doors. It was, the, it was a really interesting radio coverage. 
that the BBC was broadcasting it live and calling people in America who was in that community, giving them updates. So it was an interesting way to find out American news. BBC has extraordinary coverage of American events. Yeah. Yeah, football, everything. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Everything. Yeah. Everything. They had better coverage of the Gulf oil spill than many of the other uh, newspapers here in the States. And, of course, BP was um, British so that they had a direct connection there. But still, in terms of the ground-level people-type stories, they were superior. Yeah. So they they really have a great organization. But you're right. Lots of prayers came together for... The people up in Boston, it was a, a just a horrid week for them to live through. And a mean explosion in Texas. Yeah, it was... Oh, my gosh. It, it was just awful. What a terrible week. It was a hard week. It was a hard week. Well, yeah, I know, Patricia, you and I were talking about if I ever had new people in Boston. I forgot to ask, did you have any relatives or anybody that's ever sprinkled into Boston, Patricia? I never did, no. No, neither have I. In Iran, yeah. I was just... Interesting. But, you know, thanks for internet radio because I was listening to coverage on WEI and WBC and stuff, you know. And I bet they were doing good coverage. Yeah. And so, I mean, thanks to the magic of radio. Mm-hmm. Of course, TV was with CNN and Fox. And all. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was a very tough week. But, you know, sometimes listening to an old radio is so kind of Calms your mind, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, tough. Mm-hmm. That's what I did today. I listened to some old radio shows in the morning on on a sampler, and I thought, you know, this is great because it kind of soothes soothes the situation a bit. What did you listen to? Well, I heard, <laughs> like, I heard December Bride. Ah, uh, okay. And it's on a sampler, um, and it's a fun comedy show. Spring Byington was the mother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Good show. And then I, I did listen to some uh, fun mystery programs and stuff. You know, because any, anything to just take my mind off of. You know. It gives your brain a vacation. There you go. There you go. Well, I just thought I'd let you know that I, I'm enjoying the show. I'm l- looking forward to uh, Patricia receiving the ponies on Monday next week. When's your next gig? When's your, when's your next oh, concert? I, I, um, I, um, let's see. Uh, of course, I did one on Thursday, and I have one next Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. And, but I try, <laughs> I try my best to keep my Saturdays. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a fun time to listen to um, you and Patricia, um, Say Doctor Kildare and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's, and, and and you guys are really good because you 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 are you really care. Seriously, you know, you really care about people. You know, and you're very patient, and and I think that's great. And the people love to talk to you guys. So do I, because you're, you guys are. Which are a very warm, warm, fuzzy situation. So, you know, nice. It's real nice. And you guys keep it up. You're good for my spirit. 
Aww. Yeah. yeah. You are. Cool. But no, you are. You're saying such nice things. You're good for my spirit. Well, thank you. Well, but Walden and you make a fine team, so don't break up. Okay. No divorce, okay, Walden. No divorce, okay. But no, but yeah. if Walden gives you a bad time, yeah. yeah, let him go. I'll, I'll be your fuzzy partner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Walden, shape up here. Shape up. Well, We've got, got somebody online. I, I got competition. There's no doubt about don't that. Oh, Walden my goodness. We've got a vice president here. There you go. Don't let Walden bamboos you all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. This will keep them straight. There yeah. You. Anyway. Who wants to replace Walden? You can send in your application at floridawriter.hotmail.com. Patricia will come all over. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm next in line. There you go. Wait. Anyway, you guys have a good night. I'll be listening. Aloha. Aloha. He ran away. He ran away. Some what a hooch. Door. You think he was going to stay around after he told you he was going to take your job? Well, I thought he would at least want a, a question, but no. No. Uh-uh. No, uh -uh. no he just ducks out before he gets a question. 714-545-2071. Anybody wants to apply for my job, it's available. You can send all your resumes. To Florida Rider at Hotmail.com. What do you mean it's available? It is? No, what do you mean? It's not available, is it? What, your email? No, you said, oh, I thought you said it's anyone who wants my well, job. It it's available. Yeah, my, no, no, anybody who wants my job, they can apply for it. Okay. I don't know if anybody wants my job. Well, I don't I'm going to feel bad if nobody wants <laughs> it. This is, this is a no-win situation, Walden. We, we're going to get applications from people who want to replace you, but if we don't get any applications, it means nobody wants me. Ooh. This is not a good situation, oh, Walden. Let's grab that. We'll come. If you want, a, if you want like a yellow canary, you can apply for it. At That's, yeah, we just tanked the first one. <laughs> We tanked the first one. All right. Well, I have something new in my little collection of goodies here. It's a show named Forecast. Have great you show. ever heard of that one? It's a great show. It was a, it was a summer series for like two seasons, uh, and with CBS did it to try to figure out what shows might make the year. And that's how Duffy Tavern was born. Uh, certain radio series were tried out. Suspense mm -hmm. uh, were tried out and forecast. And one of my favorite shows in there was something that uh, Norman Corlin produced called Bethel Meriday. I and, think it may be in there. Yep. It may be in there. I've got 23 of them. And it's identified the forecast when they do the introduction. It's the same every week because this is an honest-to-goodness show, but it's playing honest-to-goodness shows. And they are mostly auditions, but there are a couple of first shows in there. And they called it Forecast because they are projecting that these shows will probably make it. Yep. Very cool. So anyway, I've got 23 in a collection. So for a treat, anyone who would like to answer a question and would love that, program, I will send it to them. But if you want something else, I'll send you that too. Does anybody know who directed the first suspense show? <laughs> who was given credit for it? Or 
We'll put it that way. In forecast. In forecast. Oh, my goodness, no. 714-545-2071. I don't even know who, who really, really, really did direct suspense. Well, there was a, one of those series had a bunch of different directors. One of your favorites, though, directed it for a good run. One of my favorites, like Elliot Lewis? Yes, uh-huh, he directed suspense. He's the only director I know, and when you say my very favorite, then it's got to be him. Uh-huh. Yep. Good guy. Good I'm reading guy. his second book. I'm about half finished because I picked up another, the second one in his mystery series. Oh, you did find one. Okay. Yeah, I did. And as usual, or as with the first one, it's really well done. I'm having a good time with it. I mean, it's 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 within the old... I, it, it's it's interesting because these were written around 1980, right. which is not what you would consider the old mystery genre type thing with Rex Scout and Dashiell Hammett. But he writes in that vernacular. Mm-hmm. He uses a little saltier language right. than you would find in a Rex Scout, but it's in that in line with those uh, with that flavor. So if you didn't look at the front of the book, you'd think you were reading something out of maybe the 50s, 40s, 50s, and a real push to 60s. But it was written like 1980s. He wrote, I think, nine of those. Before That's correct. Away. That is correct. So I'm on number two, okay. and I will finish the series. The only problem with the series is that they end. You fall in love with the characters, and you really want to read the next one in the series. Mm-hmm. I call these brain candy because it's really nice. You don't have to concentrate a lot, and you just have a good time with the writing. And it's entertaining. But when you really like the entertainment and you get to the end of the series, I mean, like, I can't find any more Hercule Poirot's that I never read, and I couldn't find Miss Marple's. I bet there are a couple of Miss Marple's out there. But in the Agatha Christie series, you know, it, it just, I'd start, I begin to be a little bit slower in how I how I took the books off the shelf because I didn't want them to end. Um, you have a hard time to enjoy reading. In other words, because that's been your bread and butter. You, 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 could you be a little more critical? You think than the average bear when you read a book? Um, if it's a terrible book, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I didn't mean that to sound like a really snap answer, but. If it's a poorly written and poorly plotted book that I wouldn't finish reading, I would be critical of it. And, of course, I'm not going to finish reading it because I was critical. But for the most part, no. No. Wow. There there are a couple. It it happens, just like it happens with you. You'll listen to old-time radio shows and say, oh, boy, it doesn't belong in the awful show pile, but it sure doesn't belong in the good ones. That kind of stuff. I have that with a lot of new time radio, you know, that's maybe because I've grown up with Prime Rib. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of fans of new, the new stuff, because it's new, and I'm not necessarily one, not one of those. I, I, like, I, I don't like it if it's just new to be new. It's got to have quality to it. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a, the word I was, mm-hmm. my brain wished it could have come up with. Yes, quality. When there's there's an element of quality, I mean, you can have a really fun, just go kick back and have a good time with a book type thing, but there's a quality to it 
that makes it fun to read. And when that's not there, yeah, then I get really hypercritical. When I see misspellings and horrid punctuation boo-boos, mm -hmm. it's all over. Uh, it just it it just affects how I how I think and feel about the rest. Don't you think that's the publisher or the editor's fault for what? Well, somebody had to put them there to begin with, and then yes, it was a very poor editing job, which makes it even worse because if the editor didn't care, can I trust that the writer did? You know, so. Hello there, you're on air. I'm only going to take one minute. <laughs> you want me count? You want me count? One thousand. Okay. One thousand. Go. Patricia, you, you got me all excited. Put that program in my envelope. Forecast. Forecast? I'd be happy to. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have to answer a trivia question first. We hung up! We hung up! We hung up! Does he think he's going to get special treatment? For, oh my gosh. You know, oh, that is so funny. You know, he hung up. He hung up. He, he didn't answer any Patricia trivia question, <laughs> and he just assuming that Patricia going to stick it in an envelope. Oh my gosh. Oh, you are such a hoot. <laughs> you are. Yeah, Ron, you are. Oh my gosh. What fun. What fun. Yes, Ron, I will send you forecast. Good thing you have a friend, Ron. <laughs> Good thing you have a good friend, Patricia. You know. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, we're we're kind of in a swapping routine. He doesn't make me ask questions when he sends me a pony, so I, I'm probably I wouldn't not send him a show if he couldn't answer a question. But I think you're right. We need to start asking him questions. Hmm. Ron, you need to just come out to the Spurvac convention. What can I say? You know, you, that way you can meet. Roy McMillan and Janet Wald and all the people you like to hear about. Boy, now he's really upset. I know. 714. He, he wants your job for sure now. 714-545-2071. You bet. Well, I have a list of things that we're supposed to do tonight. Alrighty. And I have a correction from last week. Help me to remember. I have a correction. All right. Okay. I've got April stuff and dates. New Jersey is the state I picked for tonight. My gosh, I had to really cull, and I'm, I'm down to about a quarter of what I had, and it's too much still. Army rations and rationing eggs in Great Britain during World War II. I've, whenever I go out looking for rationing information, the British sites come up in piles. I really have to search for American stuff, but the British sites are so comprehensive and so good with their World War II information. So when I look for eggs, you're going to get Great Britain, mostly Great Britain information. I look for wartime recipes with eggs because eggs were ultimately, um, they, I guess eggs were rationed. They certainly were in England. Yeah. So I was looking, and meat was, so I was looking for recipes that put combinations of foods together to stretch them and eggs I looked for specifically. So I've got some egg recipes. And if Dan is listening, I've got an egg recipe with oatmeal. It's apparently a food stretcher. So anyway, we've got eggs. States without income tax. That's my correction from last week. I've got a couple of freebies coming up. Great profile of Paul Revere. We've still got some Pooh Bear quotes. Movie posters going up that are 
such fun. And as of yesterday, you could get them for a dollar. I mean, this is the hotshot place that's selling multi-million dollar coins. And they've got movie posters up, and some of them just are not selling. Awful show nominations. When you come across an awful show, I want to add it to my list. I've got some pricing information from the 40s. We've got a 1944 Fibber show and Walden's Questions and Useless But Fun and Trivia and stuff like that there. Now, enough information we can get done in 10 minutes, right? Sure, I got yeah. through the list. Why can't we get yeah. through the, the information? Yeah. Okay, now this is just for you. I found something just for Walden. Mm. Everybody can listen, but it's yours. Saltwater taffy. Yes. Do you remember we talked about saltwater taffy? Yes. <clears throat> and do you remember what a hard time you gave me? And I sat here and went through all of these convoluted explanations, and you were just yanking my chain. You do remember I can tell from that evil laugh. I remember, well, I have honest-to-goodness real information about saltwater taffy. <laughs> and I know where it came from, and I know who did it, and I know why. Okay. Saltwater taffy really does have salt in it. Okay, make sense. Good, good. Okay. Candy store owner, this is the story. Candy store owner David Bradley's shop, this is in Atlantic City, excuse me, 1880. 1880, Atlantic City, his shop was flooded during a major storm in 1889. As a result of the flood, his entire stock of taffy was soaked with salty Atlantic Ocean water. When a young girl came into his shop and asked if he had any taffy for sale, he said, he would, all he had to offer was saltwater taffy. At the time, it was a joke because all his taffy had been soaked with salt water, but the girl was delighted. She bought the candy and proudly walked down to the beach to show her friends. Bradley's mother was in the back of the store and heard the exchange, and she loved the name, so saltwater taffy was born. Wow. And then I looked up a recipe just to make sure it was for real. So saltwater taffy, this is, this is a low-calorie, low-jolt-your-body type thing. It, the, it, you know that when you read a list of ingredients, they're in order of amount. So if there's more flour than sugar, it would list flour first, sugar second. No, I never knew that. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at uh, – and that, that's one of the, the key items, for example, when you're reading a label – if sugar is number five or lower on the list, it's usually a, a pretty okay food to put in anybody's diet type thing, okay. unless you're, you, you know, you, you're really adamant and avid about no sugar at all. But when it gets down to five on the list, there's so little in there that it's usually enough. Okay, so that said, saltwater taffy is composed of number one, sugar. <laughs> you know this is not, um, don't jolt your body food. Okay, so it, it's made with sugar, cornstarch, corn syrup, glycerin, water, butter, salt, flavoring, and food color. Why would you so, have flavoring when you already got sugar and salt and everything else in it? Well, because you get vanilla and lemon and peppermint and stuff like that there. Okay, okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So? You can send all 
saltwater taffy. All saltwater taffy to 27. <laughs> Duke Place, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Okay, we've opened a new chapter here. Mm. We're writing a new chapter in the uh, send, send Walt into yeah, camp. Because, because, yeah. because I'm hungry. Okay. Who said that? Wasn't that Teeny? Teeny yeah, said teeny, that. Uh-huh. I'm hungry. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. You know. And I, I don't know how Don Quinn got in so many veiled references to food. Uh, oh, it's, it's something like, uh, look at him. He's really hamming it up. Uh-huh. Ham. I'm hungry. That was a shtick that they did for quite a long time, but I guess it was. Very early in the show, wasn't it? I think it? so, because you really don't hear that that uh, repartee in, in the late 40s. No, say. no. Hello there. No, I think it was in the late 30s and early 40s, maybe. Who there? Who there? Who there? Who there? Who there? Gary from Wisconsin. Who there? That's Gary, who there? Hello, Gary in Wisconsin. How in the world are you? Well, we're, we're staying warm. How warm is but... warm? <laughs> Thank you, Walden. 30. 30 degrees. I don't think it's ever going to get warm in Wisconsin. It's almost... You know, they're happy when they've got two numbers to report. Uh, when I it mean, gets down to one number, they say it's getting cool. Yeah, I mean... Can right, you... this is correct. Here, it's April 20th. Well, May, May, May 10 days away, and you're still shoveling snow. Yeah, we've had snow all week. I read that there was a weather belt that went through and dumped snow in some places. You got it, huh? Oh my! Well, let's see. Uh, Friday we got, I think we got about two and a half inches. No, that was Thursday. Um, but as of today, there's nothing. There's no snow on the ground. It just mm. was piled up. So when is when is it ever going to hit seventy degrees in Wisconsin on a regular basis? Yeah, I was just going to uh, ask when. When is the day of summer? That could be mid June. So somewhere around June 18th, you're going yep. to have the summer. That's it. And then we start That's getting into fall weather. Yeah. Two months okay. away. Two months right. away. Yeah. They're about. Dear me. Dear me, dear me, dear me. Uh, here's that question for you. You've got, it, it's really winter and winterish weather or wintery weather for a very long time. What? Do the residents in your area of Wisconsin do for recreation? Anything when you say, to. I want to get out of, not necessarily go skiing or snowmobiling, but when you say on a Friday evening, I want to get out of the house, where would you go? Well, some go ice fishing, some go skiing, some go bar hopping, uh, you know, all kinds of things. We have indoor and outdoor ice skating rinks. Uh, we got volleyball courts all over. Uh, no, there's indoor basketball plays, you know, uh, basketball things. And, uh, yeah, that's anything you want to do. Do you know that is really a hoot about indoor ice skating rinks when you think about being in winter territory up there with all of the outdoor winter sports and you've got an indoor ice skating rink, 
it makes as much sense as all of the swimming pools on on the beach. Yeah. Well, you've got a lot of these uh, these kids that are they're they're practicing all year round in their ice skating, so that uh, you know if you don't practice all the time, your ankles will start getting too weak and and. Uh, you got to go through all the street, train, street training again and all this. And oh, duh. You would have that in the summertime, of course. Silly me. All right, I hadn't thought about that. I was asking about winter activities on a Friday night, and you mentioned indoor skating. And it, I can understand that. If I were going ice skating, I'd want to be inside and do it, not outside and get killed with the weather. But it, it did raise the question, people will... I mean, all of the motels and hotels have pools on the beach. Residents have pools on the beach. There is a recreation area on the beach with a very big community pool on the beach. There's, there's, uh, I know there's several people who are, um, they want to go to the beach. Uh -huh. but they have a phobia about going into the ocean, so that gets you know with these pools by the beach, they they get their beach and they also get their water. Well, that's a thought. I'm not too wild. Well, I'm not a water person anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. I think so. Anything above ankle deep is is hazardous territory for me. Did you get an answer on um, the um, Ripley's Museum? What was the question? How, where are all of them at? Oh, yeah, I went down the list. There's how many oh. Walden? 13 states and I don't know how many countries. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't hear that part. Because I know that uh, just south of me in the Dells, we have, a, uh, we have one of the Ripley's uh, what do they call them, auditoriums? At odd, odd, odd auditoriums, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a pretty clever word. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. Tell me what's in there. And it's, it's kind of neat. You have to. My son's listening to me. Tell me what's in there. Oh, gosh, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> um... They, he just there's just a whole bunch of the the oddities that uh, that he found throughout uh, his travels and stuff. You know, uh, I know that he's got several that are uh, replicas. You know, the, like the two-headed calves and things like that. And uh, uh, our particular one that uh, that's here at the Dells. He's got, uh, he's got like an airplane uh, going through it, crashing through it. Oh. The outside looks like. And, uh, oh, you mean the actual museum building? Looks like it has a plane going through it? Yes. Oh, wow. How uh, cool is that? I wonder how they managed that. Um, they just attached it to the side of the building? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of, kind of, you know, 
That's, an, oh, that's, that's an attention getter. That'll grab your attention when you're driving by. Well, see, I think it was the one in Hollywood that's, uh, it's the Empire State Building kind of on its side, and it's got uh, King Kong standing on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That is rich. So, um, yeah, this couple of the, you know, the cute things they got, yeah, Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you see the movie King Kong, the old one, the really old one? Yeah, I've seen all three versions. Okay, the really old one with Fay Ray? Yes. Was King Kong ever sitting on top of the Empire State Building? No. He never sat. He was hanging on. He, his feet were probably the observation deck, and he was mm -hmm. hanging on to the the um, mooring pole with his hand. That's what I thought. That's what I remembered. I follow movie posters at one of the auction sites. When I went there a week or two ago, King Kong, a couple of the King Kong movie posters were up for auction. And one of them, I think they came in from Japan. Now, this is vengeance because we do such awful things to their movies when we over, you know, when we do voiceovers on the, and erase the language. But one of the posters had King Kong sitting on top of the building, holding on to Fay Ray, and I said, that's not right. There were a couple of pictures like that, like that in the sense that I don't ever remember having seen them in the movie. Look, did I miss something in the movie? And here's King Kong sitting on top of the Empire State Building. And it was in 19, when did that movie come out? 1930-something? 32, 32, I think. 32, okay. So 1932 movie, and they got it wrong on a movie poster. I, I would think something like that would be worth a fortune. Bidding didn't say so, but... Well, if, uh, everything translates different between English and Japanese, too. Sure, sure. This was this was illustrative art. Illust yeah, illust illustration. It was art that was illustrated. I looked at it because I'm so fond of old movie posters. I looked at it as if it were a coin that was misstruck or a stamp that was misprinted, that it was something rare and unusual that departed from reality. But I guess... I was off base because it didn't bring very much money. It was nickels compared to other stuff up there. Yeah, I, yeah, no, he was, he was standing the whole time. Thank you. I, I feel better. That means my brain was correct. <laughs> well, we've got other posters up there. My friend Irma, and that was a 1949 movie. Right. When I left, when I left yesterday, the opening bid was a dollar. Huh. Can you imagine? All right, now this is my friend Irma in 1949 movie. Gary, which comedy team starred in that movie? What year? 1949. 49. Uh... 
Walden? Uh, Martin and Lewis. It was Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I looked at this poster and I thought, who, who are those guys? And there they were. Everybody had big teeth in those posters. It was good stuff. So how have you been? Did you have a good week? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, as best as can be expected. We've, uh, we've had some problems with my mother-in-law. She, uh, oh. she, she had to go into emergency. Well, yeah, pretty much emergency surgery this morning. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she's doing okay. And I'm I'm really glad that your temperature is warming up. Ho ho, Walden. Did you hear me say that? I know. I know. I, good grief. Well, right you're going to have to work really hard on that one, Gary. I think we've had a high maybe around 42. For the winter? I mean, you mean for the day or forever in the winter? For the month. And I'm supposed to get worked up about this? Woohoo! Whoopie doo! Well, wow. Well, I yeah. Woohoo me! Forty-two. If you were accustomed to zero weather, I guess forty-two feels pretty good. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's women weather now. I mean. <laughs> Let's not get carried away here. Okay, I'll be the one on the shore with the coffee. I, I am perpetually the welcome home committee, designated driver and welcome home committee. Uh, we've got, I've got some friends that, uh, that do a lot of ice fishing, and they've, well, just last week they was probably one of their last weeks that they would ever go, and then we're talking about 18 inches still on them. Yeah, because it's, too, it's getting too warm, right? Yeah, it's starting to get too warm. You guys are laughable. So they, they don't do regular fishing during the summer because it's too warm, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. They, everybody's, I mean, there'll be twice as many people out there fishing uh -huh. in the in the summertime. But, uh, you know, they're doing it off the shore. Sure. I have a question about these little fishing shacks that people put up on the ice and go ice fishing and they're inside the shack and they're supposed to be staying warm. What what do they do with them at what do they do with them at the end of fishing season? Um, it depends on what kind of uh, of uh, uh, ice shanty it, it, it they have. If they've got the kind that fold up, they just fold them up, put them back in their garage, something. Um, if they got those that are on the trailers, then they'll just take them and park them in. The Side of the yard, in the backyard, or someplace like that. When do they know it's time to take this stuff off the ice? Um, I don't know what it is up in northern uh, Wisconsin, but around out here in, in, in the middle states, um, they're they're still out there um, up until like twelve weeks, or you know, maybe twelve. Fifteen inches, but uh, after 
remember at someplace around the first of April, they they're not allowed to leave their shanties out overnight. So they take them out in the morning time and then they take them back out whenever they leave at night time, unless they're going to stay there all night fish. Those are the only ones that stay out. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not really. I don't know how to say this. I'm not warm to the idea of being out on ice to go fishing, but I'm really not warm to the idea about hauling this thing in when the ice is starting to get thinner. Now, eventually it's going to get to a point where it can't support weight on top of it, and people are going to go through whether they want to go swimming or not. I don't know exactly how thick the ice is before they stop letting vehicles out on it. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's usually around 12 to 8 inches. <sighs> well, I'm on the shore with the coffee, guys. Mm-hmm. You'll you always have a hot cup of coffee. Crack, you know, you hear a crack, you don't go out on it. <laughs> hear a crack? You have to be out on it before you hear a crack. That's the scary part. Walden? Uh-huh. Don't make me do that, okay? Well, just think, Patricia, we could go swimming if we don't cracked, right? Don't don't make me go there or Ron will have your job. <laughs> this is going to work. This is good, Ron. Thank you. Don't do that, Walden, or Ron will have your job. That's a good line. Walden? Yeah. Well, I promise you, did, if you, did you leave? up here in the wintertime, I would keep you warm. Oh. <laughs> there are... Lots and lots of things to do, and you would—you'd only be in the cold the length of time because from the car into the building. But I have to get in the car and wait for it to warm. I'm such a wimp. I am such a wimp. We got, we got heated seats up here. We well, that's com- that, that's encouraging. Okay, that, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. You gotta remember, Patricia lives in Upper State, New York. She knows what her little buns feel like when it gets a little icy cold. Oh, my body hates me. <laughs> oh, it hates me so bad. So bad. Okay, Gary, are you ready for a question? Sure. Who was Ray Goulding? Ray Goulding? Uh, Ray, Ray Goulding. Do you recognize Ray? Um, yeah, but it's not from old radio shows. It's from old comic books. <laughs> no, this is not a comic book. Which one came to mind for you? What was oh, the comic book? Uh, it would have been um, um, The Atom, uh, the guy who shrank. His name was Ray. Oh, boy, that one would have gotten past me. Oof. Okay, what color was Hopalong Cassidy's hat? We've had this one. If you were listening, you're in good shape. Black. Very good. Black. Now, that, that's one I do know. He's, he was one of the only heroes that wore black. 
Very few. And I came up with the Cisco kid the other day, but I'm not even positive he had a black hat now. I'm sure he did. He had a, he had black everything. He had black everything. And even in some of the movies, they had this silly fringe hanging off his hat. Um, that's good. Okay. What would you like in your envelope? It's getting pretty fat. Oh, um... Let's go with another disc of uh, Gunsmoke. Another Gunsmoke. So you are up to Gunsmoke Volume 3. Does that sound right? Yeah. Wow. You're getting up there, aren't you? Gunsmoke 3. You've got Gunsmoke 2 in your envelope already. This is good. Okay. Well, you have yourself a wonderful week. Stay warm and um, see what you can do about warming it up a little bit, okay? I will, uh, I'll turn the heater on and, uh, see if I can get some more ice out and, uh, Thank you. Thank you. And tell everybody I said get off the ice. It's time to get off the ice. I'm watching out for you guys. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to let you guys go and I'm going to go back to eating some pancakes. Pancakes! Oh, there you go. There you go. You can have mine. It's okay. Pancakes! Waffles save for me. Pancakes! We'll talk to you later, Gary. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's see. So when Patricia and I come to your house, will Pancake, mm -hmm. be, will pancake be on the menu? 714-545-2071. We know Patricia is a good house guest. She'll eat anything in front of her. That's true. Yes. She might not like everything, but she'll eat it. <laughs> 714. She's good. Five four five two zero seven one. She's good. Yeah, sometimes I'm good. You're, you're a good bunny rabbit. Sometimes I'm good. So I'm very happy that I found your saltwater taffy. Are I you happy? Am. I am. I'm just. I'm so cool. I am you so are. cool. Now I have to give you. I have to give you the other thing. Mm -hmm. When I asked how many states did not have income tax, right? I asked last week. How many did you say? Six, I think it was. The answer I had was six, but it's actually seven. Huh. And I thought that's what you had said. I thought you said seven, and it was Wyoming, and I think Wyoming was one that you had talked about. Right, if Wyoming is one of the ones I talked about. That's one that you asked. So it's Alaska, Florida, Nevada. Nevada, excuse me, I learned how to say that one too. Nevada. Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. No, oh, there you are, there. Oh, it's Matt from La Harbor. Hey, Matt. How Hello, are you? Hello, Matt. How in the world are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, I'm super. That's good. Doing good. So, how how's the Santa Ana condition treating you over there? Um, pretty good. Um, weather was kind of weird this week. Um, there maybe a very small bit of um, like wrinkle, but. Not much. How are you over there, Walter? Yeah, pretty dry. Pretty dry, you know. Well, I'll get a little nervous about fire, you know, about fires, you know, as you know, up and down Southern California. But, uh, it, 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 we got the windows open a little bit. So, what can I say? So, <laughs> that's not too bad. Matt, are you there? Yes. I'm starting to get an echo. So, if I disappear or if I stop talking, it's because the echo kicked me out. Okay, we'll bring you back in. That would be nice. Um, Matt, not everybody lives in California, and people like me didn't catch up for a long time about what the Santa Ana winds are. Would you explain them, please? The 
Santa Ana's, yeah. Alden, could you try to explain it more? Sure. Santa Ana winds are the winds that come from the desert, and so when California gets hot and dry, huh. and it gets windy, then we worry about fires. Okay, that's the... Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest element. Yeah. We have yeah. some forest fires, um, usually from the plants being dry and the sun being so hot out here. Um, yep. Uh, we had a huge fire in 2009, um, that even it was miles and miles away from my house, but the sky was bright red, all the ash. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you, you know, we all been around when you see some fires like that, ash and everything can be up. It's, it's pretty amazing. It is. It is. And, yeah. and you think, oh, it's three or four miles away. Well, that's pretty much how far the ashes travel when the wind is blowing so hard. And you're not that far away at all. Mm-mm. You wind up with one of these embers in your backyard, and it's all over. That's true. Now, what really surprised me, Walden, was when I learned when you talked about Santa Ana's, it was not a constant breeze coming through. We're really talking about wind. Big time these, wind. Uh-huh. These are 30 and 60 mile an hour winds. Yep. Am I correct on that? You got it. They're the biggies. I mean, it's just astounding to me, and I don't know why I would have assumed otherwise when you're changing from, you know, when you're, when you're coming in on a wind drift to begin with, and it's coming from hot to cooler, it's going to, I mean, I just, I had no idea it was that bad. I'm thinking, you know, oh, big deal, 20 miles an hour would probably be the big deal on it, and maybe 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour all day long. Oh, silly me. Well, the big problem, when we get wind like that, then the fire starts to jump. Yeah. And that's that becomes the uh, the problem area. And because it, it, it moves so quickly, mm-hmm. the firefighters cannot keep up with it. And yeah. So it, and it's, it's, it's a not, major problem. It's it's not a, a ground-creeping fire. It it blows from place to place. Yeah. yeah. I remember... So you, I remember 30 years ago, um, I think it was in Anaheim, Santa Ana, which is in Orange County, about 20 minutes from my house. We had a lot of wood shingle houses. And so when the Santa Ana kicked in, then the fire started to jump from roof to roof to roof. Yeah. And that's when they started to change to have brick and fire retardant and things like that to try mm-hmm. to prevent fires jumping from house to house to house like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't fix the problem, of course, but it certainly helped. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you, when you get tile roofs, the the clay tile roofs, they don't burn like shingles do, and especially the wooden shake shingles that are so pretty to look at and and so rustic. Well, excuse me, they also, you know, you breathe on them and they ignite. So, oh gosh, oh gosh. Now, how long is this going to last? I haven't looked up the forecast, so I don't know. Are we talking days, weeks, a month? Yeah, we three or four days normally. Yeah, not not too long. Because if it was long, then we'd have something to really worry about. Worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But no, not not too long really. Uh, huh. But I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have the forecast up either. So hopefully Walden can shed some information on our way. Well, we're hanging. Uh, we're hanging with good thoughts on that yeah. because it is a scary time of the year for all of you out there. 
Well, I think Matt can answer your topic question of the night. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Matt, are you up to midterms in school yet? Um, yes, I am. Okay. My question for tonight is, which midterm exam you don't even want to think about? Subject you wish you did not have to sit for an, with a test. Our tests are next week, um, but math is just awful. Math? Math is awful. Oh. Wow. He's breaking up just a little bit I, on I turned him down. Yep. Is that, it, it was? That okay. That was me. That was me. Uh, oh, oh, see? Ron I know. is waiting. I know. Ron is waiting. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which, which flavor math are you taking this year? Mm-hmm. If I pass this year, I won't have to move on to geometry, but uh, so hope that I pass algebra because I don't have to go to the troubles of history again. Are you okay? Are, are you pretty confident you'll get through this okay? Did any of your instructors along the way, any of your teachers, tell you what practical applications you're going to have for algebra after you graduate? Do you know of any? Uh, no, but I could use some information. Walden, can you help us? It's, it, you know, math is my bag. That's, that's what I was yeah. good at. Well, it, what's the practical application of algebra? Logic. Um, Do we need algebra for, I mean, when, what, how, I guess I'm, I'm not saying this right. I'm out of school. I've got algebra. I did really well in algebra. What am I going to use it for? Uh, that's what you're asking? Yeah, yes, yeah. she's asking Walden. Well, I was actually, I was just telling um, Kurt that, not, that why math is to me ridiculous because some people uh, do use algebra, and, but um, I guess the machinists would use algebra. Uh, mm, well, they're using trigonometry mostly. Um, it's for logic. It's for word prov word solving word solving skills. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm thinking for people like myself who day to day operation who, who um, you know, what I do a lot Monday through Friday is planning, planning things. I plan big events. I plan corporations. I plan um things and. Uh, it comes easy to me because I have those planning skills, those math skills, that I can move things around and it sort of falls together. I think, you know, I think that's 
You think algebra does that? I think it's just a, it's just a while. I think it allows your muscle, your brain, to work that way. I think I'm I'm blessed with logic, and it's just it's just a matter of um, using it. It's just a skill to keep keep it in practice. Um, basically, if you wanted to know this point of a slope, that's all, that's all calculus is. But, no, strictly, um, I used it for econometrics, for economy, for figuring out, uh, economics things. Um, I took advanced calculus, and I did it in my head. But it was strictly, that level is strictly for looking at um, economy, economics, and different things if you wanted to try to figure out models. That's strictly all that is. You know, if you wanted to build a model of different variables, different scenarios, that's why you use calculus. I don't think there is, but that's just, that's a, that you're, you're actually a math person. I, I think it all, I think math is fairly, very easy and very logical. Um, I, I think, think of it this way. When I done a lot of tutoring math, because most people seem to have trouble with it, and all it is, it's a pattern. And... Especially when you come across word problems and things, the way I teach it, I said if there's a pattern and you work the problem over and over until you see the pattern. Once you see the pattern, then you can see the logic, and that's generally how I think most people. See, I think a lot of time math is a lot of math is not taught right. I think a lot of math when people get stuck. They ask a question, and the teacher ought to take them all the way back to the beginning and teach, you know, teaching the building blocks. I, when I tutor somebody, when they stuck on, okay, this is why you're stuck, and you're looking at this way while you should be looking at it that way. Yeah, that, that, I, I, I would rather tutors teach like that mm -hmm. than going all the way back. Right, and that's how I do it. Yeah. And so that leaves me with another question. Okay. You're talking about using logic to solve math. Right. I'm asking what the math is good for. You're already, you've already got logic skills. You can think logically. You can solve problems logically. Why do you need math to use it on? It's just an exercise. It's just an okay, exercise. I'd rather, I'd rather buy a puzzle book. I mean, there are some really knock-your-socks-off hard uh, logic puzzles to put together. And I'd rather do that than but have that, to sit that, in a math class. But that's a lot. That, that's a visual. Remember, that's visual. No, no, not visual. No, no. It's not visual at all. In the, in the puzzles? Oh, I'm, no, no. When, when I say puzzles, I mean like cranium cracker type puzzles. If... if um, a does this and B does this, it automatically tells you what C and D should be doing, but if D influences A, that kind of stuff. And, 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 and 
your best math teacher should be using those types of skills to teach that. That's all it is. And what I'm suggesting is that there are many different ways that I can exercise my brain. In the logic area, I don't need to go to a calculus class to do that. I need logic. I need to bring logic to a calculus class. I don't need to bring calculus to a logic class. Correct. And that's the beautiful thing about logic. It, it can be it can be used in different elements. Of I risk my case. I don't have to use it in calculus. I can use it in other places. Okay. I rest my case. Okay, okay, okay Matt, okay, we've got him. Okay, 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 okay. What? Um, what about the guy who's developing a company to hire the non-math people? Don't you think they want to leap be logical to figure ways how to move everybody in in place? It depends. I, I'm not sure I understand the question. Are you asking me if the person he's hiring has to have math skills? No, I'm just taking... Aren't you grateful for the people who have some math skills to develop the overall plan to make the hire people? I, I don't see how math comes into play there. Logic comes into play. Well, for example... I need, for I example. need, logi I need logic to solve the math problems, I do not need math problems to teach me logic. Well, for example, what I'm working on, I'm working with budgets a lot, and mm -hmm. if I have so much money, and I gotta figure out how to develop um, the productivity of a company, of course, I that's all logic. I'm using spreadsheets, exactly. I'm using numbers, that, that's all, so I'm, that's it all a numbers game. So why do you need calculus to figure out a budget? Okay. I'm listening. Go ahead, Matt. You're doing good. I'm just thinking. I guess Patricia is coming after me after calculus. You know, basically for me. For me. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I thought I hung up on you. That's only because that's where we were. We were talking about calculus. Yeah. We started with algebra. And then worked our way up to calculus. And now I'm talking conceptually. And using calculus as an example. Yeah, well, I, um, calculus for me, the, well, the next step I took it was econometrics, which is a form of calculus. Um, also, see, I found what, what, see, another logic area for me, and it was really easy for me, it, it's statistics. When you figure mm -hmm. out all the, that's all logic, to figure out now, the variables. Statistics, I can go with. I'm, I'm on board with statistics. That has business applications that I can put to work for me. But I'm see what I what you lose light. You come. I'm working with uh, probabilities and quotas and scenarios and variables. Exactly. With, yeah. Exactly. And I can bring that into a business setting and put that to work for me. Mm -hmm. There are other math forms that make that that just have no application for me in a business sense in the real world um, serving ice cream or 
running a factory that makes ice cream. Okay, so... I don't get it. So, you, could I say the same thing about, about English and grammar? In what sense? There are some... There are some English and grammar who I think is, you know, way out there. That's not going to be used by the average Joe Blow. Uh, I don't think that there's an analogy there. Okay, well, when you take an advanced writing class, how many people are going to be really need to use the advanced writing class? Everybody. <laughs> you don't think John Brown can write C spot run and get him and and get him there? I don't think an advanced writing class is going to get stuck on C spot run. <laughs> You're asking me who, who can benefit from an advanced reading class, and I'll say everybody can, because it teaches how to communicate better. And I don't care what you're doing out in life, when you can communicate better, you're going to wind up better. Okay, so can we say the same thing about math? You see, you develop your logic process of thinking better? Wouldn't everybody benefit from that? Well, the answer is yes, but I don't need math as a vehicle to do that. If you're going to communicate in English, you need words to do that. But I don't need the written word to communicate. I can use other skills to communicate. Well, I have to go back on the English because we have such a squirrely language. Right. Which is, if, yeah, well, I think, which English for me, everybody, which, uh, it's not my bag. English it, is a fruit salad. It's, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. English, it, it doesn't. Not, English is a fruit salad, whereas math is a pineapple and an orange. They are entire pieces of fruit. They're entire fruits, whereas English... Is just a, a mishmash. It's a it's a stew of various languages. So if you don't understand it, you're going to miscommunicate. You you can communicate a message, but it's not necessarily going to be the correct one. Yeah. The end. Well, we have we have solved the educational dilemmas of the world for tonight. Okay, okay. Here's the better question, then. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, you you're the perfect student here. You're oh boy. You, Good night, Matt. No, he can if, if you just want to call back and get your question, that's cool. No. <laughs> I okay, now Matt, you you design tell me what you would think to be the perfect high school education. Well, I think you should go up to Okay. Thank you.
Okay. So you think four years in high school too much? You think you... And what what kind of what kind of elective classes you wish you had that you're not able to take? And that's, that's essentially was my question about some of the, the higher levels of math. When you said, this doesn't have any practice, I, I can't apply it in any way. That's what I was asking about calculus, for example. How many people can actually use calculus in, in their real worlds? And you're saying, how many people are going to use four years of English? And I'm on board with you. I don't think anybody needs four years of high school English. I think they need some some programs built into the curriculum that allows them to use what they've already learned. Well, my, my dad's part of the old school who thinks it's, it's shameful that our high school don't have as many, you know, practical classes. You know, that, it, you know not everybody mm -hmm. gonna go going to go to college. Yeah, like and, technical education right. schools. Yeah. And yeah. we don't have those right now. We don't have enough, anyway. Yeah. Enough. So. Yeah, um, well, are well, you going I, back? To, are you going back to your school and um, informing them of our opinions and suggestions on how they should run their schools? Actually, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> you are so much fun. Now I. I, I think, for me, personally, having four years of English was helpful. I, I think it, I don't think there's any problem with it. I don't think four years should be pushed down anybody's, um, you know, to make it an absolute you don't, think it, you don't think it should be mandatory. I, that's exactly right. I, I, could, I would go for three, but four years in a practical situation, I don't know. If you haven't learned it in three years, what what is... Well, for me, my fourth year was advanced writing, and that's what I really learned. I really learned how everything yeah. felt put, yeah. were put together. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know. I, I have in my brain a definition of an English class as picking apart the language and reassembling it as opposed to a, a creative writing or a composition writing, something that allows you to pull together all of these skills and all of these rules and all of these words and start using them in a practical way. 
something that you're going to be able to put to work later on. My comment or my my firm belief when I was teaching writing, if, you, if there's such a thing as, as teaching creative writing, mm-hmm. was uh, when people would tell me, well, I'm the writer, I can do anything I want. And my answer is, yes, you are the writer and you can do anything I wa- you want and you can break any rule you want. But for if, if you're sitting in front of me, I'm going to tell you, you need to know what the rules are before you start breaking them. Yeah. And that way you can manipulate and come out with a message on the end that you want people to get. But you have to know what you're breaking. You have to know what you're using. You have to know the rules that you're abiding by before you can start breaking them and using them correctly. I guess the most important thing, I would think, in writing, and you know, I'm not talking about creative writing, I'm talking about it's clarifying and establishing a thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people are able to do that. Not very many, if we look at emails especially. Mm-hmm. I just read a piece in a, in a uh, business. I get business emails and from magazines and excerpts from articles. And one of them laid out how many promotions within companies are made to people who know the fine differences between words and can create messages without confusion. And how many of those wind and, and this and their basic English skills, their basic writing skills, their basic grammar skills. I mean not anything super super. These are basic. And the people who can wind up communicating a message but don't package it properly wind up with about fifty percent of the promotions of people who can do simple messages correctly. Well, that's that's pretty powerful information. Yeah, I, I would also bet you, if we did a survey, people who have top-notch math skills are probably going to go into higher income jobs than the people who do not. Math skills, did you say? Yeah. The ones, mm-hmm. that, the ones that know how to do calculus and all those you know, their math skills are the top, and I would bet you probably those people, income are probably going to, entry level going to probably be higher. Well, somebody's got to have done some surveys out there, so my job is going to be to ferret them out mm-hmm. and find out. I think, especially for where you and I live, Matt, out in California, it's good. I think in probably in Patricia's state, it's good. Texas, I think it's definitely a regional thing. Um, You know. Well, I I think with the international approach that so many businesses have, people, we'll, we'll go back to the writing skills, the people who have the writing skills have a jump up on the job interviews, they go to the head of the class, and people who are bilingual or multilingual are far more likely to get a job than people like me who are so that so language challenged that I can't say thank you in another language. I would think, Matt, especially with you going in the, in the law field, a bilingual background would be really important. Uh-huh. Right. 
It used to be, yeah. it used to be, you had to have two weeks for me to go into the university system. It, uh, you had, had two years of foreign language, so. Yeah. I don't know, I think in California we at least need one, right, to graduate. I think so. You know what mine was in, right? <laughs> well. Well, I mean, I had two instructors on their knees praying that I wouldn't come back for another semester. Wait, what, and that was what, French, right? One was French, yeah, and I fooled her. I came back. <laughs> what can you What can you say in French today? Hello. What's that? Bonjour. Oh. Bonsoir. Very good. Comment allez-vous? <laughs> now, what does that last one mean? Comment allez-vous is how are you? Très bien. Can you count in French? Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six. I forget what seven is. Mm. Huit is eight. Du is ten. I'm missing seven and nine. I'm missing seven and nine. Okay. Well, you know, that's eight out of ten. That was pretty good. Yeah, eight, that's passing. Somebody, somebody's going to call and hurt me. <laughs> um, and, and then um, I was one of those kids who had great expectations, and I took Latin. Yeah, really. I didn't. I didn't do any better in French than I did in Latin. So I don't know if that's an indication of how I did in French or how I did in Latin, but. I didn't do particularly well. I mean, I passed and I got out, and that's all I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was a better student than that, but boy, in those two classes, whoo -hoo, I was a bomb. I was a bomb. Well, now, so. I bet math wasn't too hard for you, Patricia. Oh, no, math was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did fine in math. Yeah. In algebra, I'm really crapped algebra, yeah. but um, languages, not my thing, huh. and it, it's not because I didn't try, and I wasn't dug in or anything, and I'm not proud that I can't speak another language, but it just didn't work. My brain cannot get its little tendrils around what I'm supposed to say and do. No. I tend to be literal. I, 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 I tend to be literal and will take an English word and translate it, another English word and translate it. And of course our verbs and syntax and oh, yeah. genders, we don't we don't have gender no. words. No. French had gender verbs. Yes. You know, and we don't have that in, in my language, so I can't use my language as even a springboard to get into another language and this is the only one I have to hold on to. So I'm a mess. I need a better teacher, I guess. I, no, no, my teacher needs a better student. That's what it is. So, all right. Well, we've got questions, questions. Who's got the questions? Do you have a question for Matt? Matt, I thought I had one more question. Didn't you, Matt? Go ahead. Okay, so it's time for you to get a question, right, Patricia? Right, and that, that, was my, that was my question to Walden. Um, 
See, I'm in an age challenge here because I've got old-time radio in front of me. All righty. I, I, we, wait a minute. We forgot to ask him his weekly question. What? <clears throat> What's the name of Roy Rogers' horse? <laughs> oh, yes, that's it. Thank you. Yes. Matt? I know, I know. The world is counting on you, Matt. Oh my gosh, two weeks in a row, Matt. Triggering correct! Very good, very good. Oh, thank you, Walden, for helping me. <laughs> thank you, Matt, for getting it right. Oh, right. Oh, I'm so relieved. Okay. I'm so relieved. I could feel my blood pressure going up. Okay, okay. Not good. Not good. Okay, Matt. So that means I can put something else in your envelope. And by the way, I hope Randy is listening. I really do have his envelope over there. Matt, you've got Westerns coming. What else would you like? I mean, you've got a whole bunch of other stuff too, but your Westerns are done. I put together a really nice collection of Westerns and, and as a special gift from the Saturday Night family, Oh, my. Each little folder of westerns. I think I have seven different cowboy shows, and each one is in its own folder with the name of the horse next to the cowboy on the label. <laughs> so you have some Roy Rogers in there, and I say Roy Rogers slash horse trigger. <laughs> and I said, honest, I did. And I said Lone Ranger slash horse silver. I did that. Oh, that's a customized CD. Oh, boy, that was a custom CD. Yeah. Never mind customized. Boy, we're on the next level love. here. All right. Yep. That was a labor of love. Oh. So, all right, so now that you know you've got an education coming in the way of entertainment, what else would you like? If if you tell me like detectives or kids or I'll pick out stuff. So we've got spooky stuff and science fiction, detectives, drama, kid stuff, history, comedy. What else do I have over here? How about Adventure. Law, how, about, how about law enforcement shows? Like Tales of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, or, or, or some of the different. Dragnet. Or, or how about Unit 99 or some of the, the reality cop shows of the time? Dragnet is about as real as you can right, get. true. But I was thinking of, remember some of those shows that they actually went ahead and had a microphone, the recorders inside the police cars mm, and things? Dear me, they were so awful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of people loved I them. Know. I think they are some of the worst things they have. And Miss, Mrs. Mary's cat, there it goes, right out the door. About, now, this is the cat that's having the problem here. How about now, the, the officer is going yeah. in and asking her, Mrs. Mary, where is your cat? I didn't get a hot thing out of that. <laughs> I didn't. So you can have cop shows. I'll send you cop shows. I'll send you Tales of the Texas Rangers and comedies and oh, spooky know. stuff and... But, uh, uh, do I have two Walden? No. Thank you. No, I would get so what would you like, Matt? Um, um, anything, I 
Law enforcement, Walden did it to you. Okay, sure, I can do that. Or cop. Okay, I got it. All right. Well, you have yourself a wonderful week. I hope the exams go well. And, and I want you to find out from your algebra instructor how she expects you to use algebra when you finish school. She probably just one lesson ahead of Matt and doesn't know yet. That's an unfair yeah. question. Ron is waiting in the wings, Walden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay, Matt, well, you have yourself a great week, and thanks so much for a super conversation tonight. All right, Matt. Bye-bye. Oh, Walden, Ron is going to give me... He's he's given me ammunition for the rest of our lives. That's okay. I still love you anyway. Poor you know. Walt. Oh, gee, now you're going to make me feel bad. <laughs> I, I'll get you the sympathy card whenever I can do it. I'll get play on the, I know. Play on I know. You get nature. puppy dog look. Hello there. You're on the air. Great conversation. Oh, what that, Fred? <laughs> apostrophe S for it is, and it for possession. Its fur was standing up. And you get those two mixed up. And that's one of the words that the corporate people just bristle over when they get, when they're mixed up. So, yeah, I'm with you, Fred. If I had to take, if I had to choose, let me think here. If you gave me six slots to fill up in college, in um, high school, over four years, six slots, and, and you told me English or math, I would give two to math, three to English, nope, three to English, and one to English composition. Okay. What would you do? Just no, just if I if I said okay, you have to fill up six periods, six slots over you know for four years. How many would you give for English, and how many would you assign to science? That's your I'm sorry, not science, um, math. You mean the six English, and math. English and math. Those are the only two subjects you you can use. And how would you fill up the six periods? Four English, four English, and two science. I'm assuming, I'm assuming we're just talking about math and English. And yeah, exactly. Any kind of math and English, English. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'd say either geometry two or algebra is important too. Mm-hmm. I'd go four two. I'd go four two. 
Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same page. How was your How was your week? Oh boy, oh boy, are you in good territory? Maybe that should be our fourth. Understanding what we read—that's that, huge. Mm-hmm. You know, kids, I'll sit right there and read something to kids in history as a textbook. I'll ask them a question based on what they did. Read two minutes ago, they have no Yeah. Now, one one of the challenges that it, it comes in real life that I think is, forgive me, the product of the education system, is that we set, we adjust standards. We don't set new standards, and, and in essence we do, but they're not higher. We we accept mediocrity as the middle line, and that becomes the baseline. I, I, I think that's true. I think that's you're right. That's exactly right. Cause I, one of the fun thing I like to do, you look at the history of a U.S. presidents. Look at what they took in high school and college before, mm -hmm. and those things they they study that we never take. Today. We can't even pronounce some of them. You know, they're taking Latin and Greek. It's true. They're, t they're taking other mm -hmm. philosophy things that we don't even do anymore. We, we do not do anymore. But the mediocrity thing really has me upset because I believe with my whole heart that is what we have done with virtually everything, including product and manufacturing, that when we accept mediocrity, it becomes the standard. Okay, let me ask a really hard question then. Are we doing the right thing by trying to educate the masses? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's how we're doing it that is up for question. Whether or not we should do it. Um, wait a minute. I am. I think I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. You just look at some of the things you see on TV. I don't want to get into politics and all that. No. That's a show. But when you see people getting on TV spouting rhetoric that they hear, and then you ask them the specifics. Right. They, they don't have a clue. Right. Uh, they, during during the elections, one person was interviewed, uh, and I won't even tell you which side. It doesn't make any difference. But the word skewed was supposed to have been inserted. Yeah. And he sat there and he said, well, I don't think anything is going right here because it's all stewed. <laughs> now, you tell me that that person understood what he was saying. We just have that's exactly right. I don't know. I don't know. You ask somebody, well, why are you voting this way? What 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 is the difference? Well, we need a change. A change from what? We need we need a change in politics. But 
Change from what? What do you want to change? We need a change. And that's the entire conversation. Well, then, I'm serious. That was a conversation I had with somebody. Wow. Uh, that wasn't an example. I mean, I mean that was an example. Yeah. That wasn't That wasn't just <laughs> rhetoric. <laughs> Maybe, I, you know, I'm a logic person. And I and you know I don't get caught up in rhetoric like that and it just and I, yeah and I and I try to th I try to think things outside the box try to think things on my own um, and so I always you know I think some people who are there they just uh, spell out rhetoric and I don't know if they give it much thought. They, of course they don't. They put together words that they have either heard or sound good. I think I've told you about the writing class I had with uh, with a bunch of high-level business people. Mm. No. And there were a couple of others in there. I was trying to help them get their arms around the concept that you, you don't write from a thesaurus. You write to be understood. Right. In business, you don't worry about using two different words for the same thing just because you have the same word in the same paragraph in the same letter. And this woman went just bizarre over – I gave them an assignment. They wrote it out, and her – Composition. It was a composition. It was supposed to be just a nice little business letter. A composition that was just loaded with wonderful words and knitted together sentences. And this poor sweet thing sitting next to her looked up um, with this look on her face like, I wish you were my mother, and said, Ma'am, I don't know what you said, but you sure said it good. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're talking about. The, with, with what we hear in terms of rhetoric. I don't know what you said, but you sure said it good. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why, you know, I tell my kids all the time. I said, don't, don't buy what other people tell you and take it. In fact, think for yourself. And I said, mm -hmm. that includes me. I said, I'm an opinionated person, and I'll tell you my opinion on things. But just because I'm saying them to you, and I happen to be older, doesn't mean I'm right. What I'm concerned, yeah. What I'm concerned about with our education system, we're, we're not we're not expecting enough from our brightest, and we're not helping the one well, that. I think history so important too. Yeah, we live in a democracy. We do. And there's so many people that oh, don't understand what mistakes have been made by governments in the past. Right. They have no clue. Um, and yes, we're to be being led down that same path, and they go right along the merry way because they they don't think. Not only don't they think, but I, I believe it goes back to something we touched on earlier. How do you know how to deal with the future if you don't know what we did in the past? Correct. And I think that's what you're describing, Fred. People who haven't paid attention, who haven't the, the inclination to dig around and find out what has been tried, what we did wrong, what we did right, what might work this time, and then make a choice. I think also this is where I think See, political science was one of my majors in college. I found it useful to study other country politics. Oh boy, yes. Because I realized why for, uh, why should the United States follow the same path as some of these other countries who got themselves in great jams? You know, we that's where if you can study 
your own country and other country problems, at least as a U.S. Sure. citizen, when that sure. when those topic comes up, well, we ought to try this or we ought to try that. Um, if I already know somebody jumped off a bridge and died, that helps me because I'm not going to do it. Right. Cool by me. So. Oh well. So what kind of a week did you have, Fred? Mm-hmm. Right. They learn. I can do them better than them. Oh, I had a great week for Christmas. Tell me what makes a great week. 70 degree weather and my windows were open yesterday. Seventy degrees? Wow. All right, we're getting into good territory wow. here. This is good. Okay, we can move him back to, you know, come. out of summer a little bit. We can come visit. Fred in April looks like it. it, it well, I don't want to push it. It's going to get cold again, isn't it? Well, look, if we're going to visit Fred, I still, you always hear fall Vermont, right? That is, that is supposed <gasps> to be the great season. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's right. We put them on October, didn't we? Yeah. Maybe September. You're you're probably colder up there. Is September a good least looking month? You would freeze. It depends. We would freeze. Well, what about the leaves? It depends on the weather. You oh. Here, yeah, you need a cold snap. Yeah, and then warm. Here. Yeah. For late September and early October. And bring blankies. Yeah, because I know I've watched, like, for example, my nephews play football September and October. Uh huh. Mm hmm. And. I can remember one day sitting there, both made a beautiful sunny day. And one day, it was like 60 degrees, and I'd take my coat off, you know, a t-shirt on, it was great. And then another Sunday, same, just as sunny, it was like 38 degrees out there. Wind whipping, freezing. Where do, where, where do we go to put in our order and get a travel guarantee? Like money back if we're not satisfied yeah, type stuff. Yeah, the Chamber of Commerce should guarantee the weather for us before we yeah, come. Good luck, good luck with that. Not, huh? No all right. Way. Well, Fred, that leaves all the onus is with you. Well, I think you should go September 2nd. September 2nd. Well, that's it. All right. So why is that a good date? That's a great day no matter what the weather is. Because the kids are back in school. That's your birthday. <gasps> oh my gosh, of course it is. I knew that. Well, Can we get maple syrup in September? No, I know. I'm going to put the corn online to sell them also, friends. When do the Vermont, Vermont tree yield the maple syrup? That, like, we just got done. Just got done, okay. Oh, well, that's good because then they'll still have some for us when we get there. You're not going to eat the whole stuff, right? <laughs> Fred, a good host saves things for their guests. Yeah, well, some people are Fred. And, you're not, and, so you're, and, and I will say something. We're talking about Vermont maple syrup here. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, all no. this stuff. Well, gosh, look, I mean, we're not even there. How long have we been waiting? 
we need a little con- a little friendly consideration here, you know? We're doing you a favor. <laughs> Who? Because by not tasting it, you don't know what you're missing. Uh-huh. Oh, I knew something like that was coming. It's a guy thing. Boy, am I so glad Eva called tonight. Thank you, Eva. <laughs> girls rule. Girls rule. Works for me. <laughs> All right, so does maple syrup work, work best on pancakes or waffles? Oh, I'm not a waffle man. I'm a pancake. You're a pancake person. I put on everything. I put it on. I'll put ham in the crock pot. I'll put ham in the crock pot. You put what in the crock pot? Ham. Like a ham. Oh, well, that sounds good. It's good. Really good. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That sounds good. I would just rather have butter on mine, but that's okay. All right, what else? This is not a low carb diet here. <laughs> and and you would deny us some of this special stuff? You would deny it? Okay, so in other words... All right, so, so can I be honest then, too? Yes. I will hurt him. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like we have an awful lot of uh, window time here. So maybe we need to show up April for one day to pick it up and take it back home to Florida. Uh, now, you said you have a half a gallon? Yeah, that'll last me the summer, probably. Now, the half gallon is not the, the, uh, this is the diluted stuff that you you put, you know, I mean, it's, it, is it, it, it's not pure maple syrup. It's a half gallon of maple syrup. But is it, I, I'm not asking this correctly. When I buy maple syrup in the store, it's, it is pure maple syrup. Okay, wow. Boy, that's potent stuff. Oh, that's good. I won't buy Yummy. I won't buy the Half gallon. Half gallon. That's not an awful lot, the way you're describing the way you use it. That's not an awful lot. We better hurry up, Walden. Well, I'm thinking maybe we should sneak up there in April for one day to pick up the container, the, the <laughs> yeah. gallon, and then, then come back and visit them in the fall. And and you, uh, Walden? Or do, Walden. We, do we have it yet shipped to Florida? We can we can have we'll, we'll we'll do that, and then when we show up, we'll have our own maple uh, syrup, and he's going to say, "Would you share it with me?" And we're going to say, "Sorry." Where are you going to get your maple syrup from? Florida? <laughs> your basement. <laughs> The barn. No, it's the barn. He got it all out in the oh, barn. Oh, in the barn. I thought he said he had it in the basement. Well, no. In the fridge right now. In the fridge now. Okay. In the fridge. I'm afraid you're going to... Yeah, we'll, we'll be able to find that. Walden's good. He can yeah, sniff it out. I can follow my nose. Crazy. He probably does... Oh, I don't know. He probably does 32 gallons a year. And he came up to me and said, Can I tap your trees out here? I'll give you half a gallon for a gallon every year. It's like 40 bucks a gallon. 
I know it's it's and it because it's, it's a limited product. It's not one where you can go to the supermarket and it's there all year long. This is special production. You don't buy it in the supermarket, and it's there once a year. All right. Well, now, when you what makes maple syrup so heavy? Is that the sap? What you know? I guess it that body. Boil it. They, you boil it down and get moisture out of it. One tenth. That that sounds about right. One. You wind up with one tenth after you 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 simmer off nine tenths of what you tap out of the tree. Does that sound right? Maple syrup process. Maple syrup process. I guess sap is gone, right? Because you boil it, that's some of the stuff that get boiled off? That's what they boil with the sap. Okay. And it boils down to sugar. Yeah. Just the sugar is left, the flavored sugar is left. Uh, agricultural processes, let's see, A to Z, maple syrup process, maple syrup process, sugar tree country store. Patricia, I'm going to call you back, you're breaking up just a tab. So hold okay, on. Okay, I'm right. sure it's my phone and not my voice, eh? Well, I, I'm sure it's the phone. Fred, hey, okay. Fred, hang in there for a second. And sure. play a little music while we take care of everybody. We need a hit, so here I go. Ball one. Ball two. Windows is ready. No contestant. New conversation. This is Pop Patricia Hotel. Phone number 20. Page up. Page up. Imaginary colors. Online. Page up. Favorites. Drag on. All. Change on. Bill drag. Online. Bill drag. Imaginary. Jerry Hemmer. Jimmy Witt. Kansas. Bowling. Susan Sutton. Tim Bowler. Plus one. Bill Drive. Cynthia. Dennis Hart, Frank Rest, Jeff Silver, Jim Taylor, AAC, Carolyn, Carolyn, Patricia Lewis, phone number 20, applications, send SMS net, invite the group call, enter, leaving menus, Patricia Lewis, phone number, unloading jaws, and okay plan. And we'll turn down uh, Les Brown, and we're back. We are back. Okay, Fred, are you hanging on to your shoes? Ten and a half gallons of sap boils down to a quart of syrup. Holy cow. Okay, yeah. And what, is it four quart, is it four quart makes a gallon? Yeah. Yes. So you're talking like 40. 40 to one. Wow. And th this looks like the real thing, because these people have trees and spigots and big boiling pots. It looks like a commercial. It, it, that's not really true, but I mean, it looks like he's got commercial equipment here. And, it, it looks like it. They look. It looks like a garden hose. Uh huh. 
Wow. Any maple, any maple tree measuring eight inches in diameter or more can be tapped, and you're allowed to tap larger trees more than once during maple harvest season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was I wasn't really concerned about the tap site and having a hole in the tree. I was concerned about taking so much moisture from the tree. It, for me it was like a blood transfusion. You know, I was giving blood, but these poor guys are giving all of their blood at the same time. I read nothing about I mean, the tree at all that way. Huh. I mean they're not they're not tapping all of it out of the tree, of course. But each tree has a particular amount of sap that circulates, and I don't know how it's generated. When, because with a human, for example, when we give a pint of blood, we've already produced enough in storage to replace that. We keep producing blood all the time. I don't know how a poor tree replaces the sap. Right. It's kind of like being kicked out of it anyway. I don't know. I don't think so. What is what is the process of running doing to the tree? I guess is what I'm asking. I don't know. It it. I always thought that it had something similar to a venous system, or it would have veins going up in between the fibers. But right. maybe it's maybe it's just. So, well, no. Okay. All right. Walt and I have been practicing. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Fred, those are great questions. Would you, when you call next week, would you have the answers for us? How am I doing? I answered you. No. I said no. No. And let me rephrase this. See what happens, Walden, when you don't communicate properly? Well, you I did. didn't communicate. But I you didn't did. communicate properly. You did communicate properly. He just turned you down. I know. Now, but now, that, now it, if you use logic, he might have said yes. I communicated properly too. He communicated <laughs> properly. I did not communicate properly to him. I should have said. See, I was being polite. I was using social language uh, as you, opposed uh, okay. to. Why don't you use? Yes. New, why don't you use New York style? Comedy? New York. Yeah. Hey, Fred, when you call next week, you better have the answers. How's that? Did I do good? Too busy to care about the answer. Oh, no. I'm your student. Well, then you should find the answer. Oh, great. Boy, I walked, in, I walked into that one, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. Maple syrup process hurt trees. All right. Well, that's what I'm looking. I'm, I'm doing my thing. What is the process of running for the tree? If we didn't tap it, it runs a certain time of year. What's it doing? It's going up and down. It's bringing nutrients. I thought it was bringing nutrients from the roof, from the roof, from the roots, and bringing it up into the the rest of 
the tree so ruts? that it had enough fortification to produce the leaves that it, that is it, it ruts, was growing. Is it roots or roots? Roots. <laughs> roots. <laughs> Up on the root top. <laughs> All right, tapping maple trees, homegrown. Um, this is where my science education comes in, Patricia. Thousands of trees get tapped every year, and they keep rolling their leaves back. So I would say no. Right. And I think they're probably hurt. Let me see. Process. How many? Um, Year-round, shipping charges. Tap season. How is maple? How long can maple syrup be stored? Right weather, what does maple sap look and taste like? Does tapping harm the maple trees? All right, I'm getting warmer here. Now that's where you're going to find the perspective of the field itself a little bit. I read all that. It says proper tapping does not harm the tree. And the amount of sap taken from a tree is a very small fraction of the overall volume of the sap in the tree. <clears throat> trees must be about 10 inches in diameter before they can be tapped, and most trees can have one. I beg your pardon? See, which What? Before you said it was 8 inches, And now it says 10, yeah. Which is right. See, I mean, it's because people in Vermont are just, you know, not on the same page here. Larger trees may have more. More taps. Isn't that interesting? All right, now it says trees must be about, and most trees can have two taps. Now, I was talking about eight-inch trees having one tap and larger ones having two taps. Um, in New England, trees have been tapped yearly for well over 100 years. So clearly it doesn't intrude. Um, requires a small hole. It heals quicker. Most maple producers, but not all, understand that their maple trees are their bread and butter, yada, yada, yada. Um, global warming. Well, I would say uh, it's equivalent to you're going to get blood drawn once a year. Once a year, yeah. And it says that it's only a, a tiny fraction of the overall amount of sap in the tree itself. So, yeah. Yeah, like when, you, when you're when you getting your blood tested for something. So when your friend comes back, the one who is tapping your trees, yeah. would you ask him how much sap he gets from, let's say, arbitrarily, this 10-inch tree, a, a tree that's 10 inches in diameter, not circumference, but diameter, how much sap he is able to tap before he needs to pull the spigot? Cool. Now, the question is, everybody, who thought uh, about hundreds of thousands of years ago tapping a maple tree for maple syrup? I, I would tell you from my heart, it was a Native American. We had Indian tribes who were doing this. Yep. And it beats the dickens out of me yeah. how people, as you ask, discovered these processes and what good things came out of it. Right. Who would have thought to sit there and boil until this stuff got down to one fortieth of what you put in the pot? Right. Or, or somebody turned on the on the fire and 
got lost and forgot to come back because she had something on the stove and then discovered. I suppose it really could have been by accident, like the ivory soap. Or somebody communicated from generation to generation very well. <laughs> and knew how to communicate properly. Yes. Fred and I rest our cases. <laughs> this is good stuff. Good oh, stuff. Fred, you ever have your shot? No. Just, that is very sweet. Would you say that again, please? Did I ever have what? Big sap out of the tree. No. Just sap. Just sap. Yeah. Just sap. And it's is it sweet? Very sweet. I we used to get it. I remember having it as a kid. We tapped the tree in front of a science field. Uh huh. And we all got to. We didn't boil it in the syrup, but we got to do the whole tapping process, and then we all got to taste it again. And I loved it. Like it was real, real sweet. So when they were looking around, they you were the one who was chewing on the base of the tree. Yeah, that be. They never lost Fred. He was out in the woods chewing on the trees. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> so maybe, good stuff. Maybe, I'm surprised. So maybe maybe beavers are smart. Like, you know, who who jumps on trees? Sure, beavers and squirrels and bambies. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why. You. Betcha. The Indians watch so, the beavers and say, hey, why is that guy shooting on that piece of tree? Sure, they learn from each other. Uh -huh. Wait until he goes, we'll take over. Yeah. I am surprised that at uh, with that um, viscosity and consistency and amount of moisture that you were able to taste the sweetness of it. Yeah. I want to try it. Now. Just stick your finger in and lick it like it was in a pot. Now, I had my question. Your being a teacher and being aware of the power of suggestion, do you think, at least in part, it tasted sweet to you because you expected it to taste sweet? By that point, by that point, you surely knew what the final product maple syrup tasted like. It didn't taste anything like maple syrup. I didn't think it would, but the sweetness of it surprises me. I wouldn't have thought that it had any detectable sweetness yeah. with that amount of moisture in it. At least that's what I recall. Uh, yeah. All right. Now you're talking about it today. Does it surprise you? that something that was so diluted actually had a taste at all. Yeah, actually, think about it. But it, it definitely did have a taste to it. Yeah. Huh. And it was, like I said, now this, this, this was 42 years ago when I tried it. So my remembrance might be a little bit cloudy. Well, I, I can remember it clearly. Yeah. 
That's your rememberer. Yeah, your rememberer. So, all right. So now, as long as we're on the subject of education tonight, we're not going to let it go. Okay. When you were in school, time for midterm tests, I think we're probably somewhere in the right area of the school year that kids will be talking about and looking forward to midterm testing. Which subject did you dread even thinking about, never mind having to take a test in? Oh, biology. Oh, biology. We're back to biology. Well, they let you get it out of the way so it didn't wreck the rest of your day. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's as excited about this as I am about snow. It was awesome, awesome. Let's put it where I'm taking twice. You did. Have, and when you took it the second time, you got out with what kind of a grade? I take it you weren't a morning student. No, not college, no. You know, 8 o'clock is an awful early time to start classes. I don't care how old you are. 18 and 19 credits, so they were kind of spread out. I was a 20 unit. Kid. And I, yeah. I never signed on for an eight o'clock class. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, I would come back on a Sunday night to get away from having to sign on for a, an eight o'clock class. So anything from nine o'clock on was fine with me. And I would, as with Fred, I would prefer to um, do longer classes on the Tuesday and Thursday schedule. Yep, that was my deal. I, I, I personally always thought college was easier because I didn't have to go to school every day. I thought high school some, some days were harder because it was a five-day grind getting assignments in. At least college was more manageable. My problem with college was I'm better now because you got to be or you like die in this world. But I was not very good at time management skills. So that might be a problem. Oh, we gave yourself enough time. Well, yeah, but it was usually pretty hectic. Yeah. Right, 
Three weeks? You gave yourself three weeks? Wowzers. Um, my friend of mine always used to tell me, you know, we had a library had to have Fred hours. And I go, what are those? And he goes, uh, open until midnight the day before, or like, what is it? Open until midnight the, the day before an exam and, and, and papers due and open until midnight for two weeks after. That's sure, sir. Works for me. That's sure how I when you get I... out in the... Go ahead, ahead. Please, sir. When you get out in the work world, you don't get a summer off. Why not? That's sure how I did my college career. I, I got two degrees and a minor in three years and two quarters. And I was on a quarter system, which was ten weeks. And later, when I took some junior college, I took some classes, during the 18, 19 week semester system, I just felt like it was long so slow. You know, I, I was... Forever. It yeah. never ended. Yeah. Yeah. I was just used, you know, when we were going to four-year school, my master's program, under that 10-week sprint. And mm-hmm. when you go to 18 or 19 weeks, it's just... It, it was a totally different pace. And that, you know, Well, now, it's so hard for kids to find work in the summer. I need that flexibility probably a little better for them. Not bad. It's <laughs> always a but. Yeah. There was something in there they called it. They called it January term, and you had to do three of them in your four years. So you could take, you know, one six-week period to take it off. But you had to do three January terms to graduate. And what they were was you took one course. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, I got it. Specialized courses, you know. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They had courses in bartending and just all this different stuff. I never, what I did was, uh, I never took a course on campus. I always took uh, a curriculum, I mean, a curriculum, uh, uh, internship. And I would, like, I worked at a place for crippled children preschool for a month one time. Another month I worked in a daycare center. I think the last time I did, uh, I worked at the elementary school. I actually went out to work with kids. Right. And did interns and stayed at home. And then my senior year, I took it off. Yeah, I thought it was really a neat idea. It gets you away from the traditional stuff, little break. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, a little different, a little unique. Yeah, you didn't have to give your brain a, a night off, but um, it, it was a break. It, it must have been almost like a vacation because it was such a departure from what you were grinding with the, the other times of the year. Uh-huh. Something you're interested in and want to take. A lot of them didn't have, uh, uh, homes. you know what I mean? Some didn't, but a lot didn't. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a lot of, like, groups that would do trips during that time. You know, like, if the biology majors might do a trip, or the history majors or something might do a trip to a dig somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Well, we know you didn't do anything biology-related. We're we're comfortable with that thought. They didn't go down to Africa and build houses either. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, well. Well, we're getting down to question time. Okay. Are you in the mood? Oh, I love this. I mean, poor guy. All of them are just going to try these questions. All right. Say that again, please. I got an OCR wish list I started. There you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How many years did it take us? Well, we got two, two titles so far, but that's all right. All right. Well, we're working on it. We're working on it. All right. Let me see here. Alright, um, this one looks good, this one looks good. Okay. Say what? That last guy impressed me. The last guy you had on impressed me about Yeah, yeah, Matt. Yeah, that's he, Matt, Matt out in, uh, he's in high school out in California. Sharp kid. That's not right. Very sharp. Okay. Before he... All right. Before she became the biggest female TV star in the 1950s, Lucille Ball had a radio show, which in essence evolved into I Love Lucy. It was similar to that. What was the name of that radio show? My favorite husband. Oh, right. Oh, man, that was a multiple choice. I was willing to give you multiple choice. choice? You, you, well, you, you took all of the joy out of this. I was supposed to be able to say, mm-mm, one out of three, mm-mm, one out of two, Fred, mm-mm, that's it, that's it. <laughs> um, your, your, choice, your choices were Our Miss Brooks, The Bickersons, Fibber McGee and Molly, and My Favorite Husband. Our Miss Brooks. 
One out of three. Now you do it, Patricia. One. One out of two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one out of two, Fred. The Bickersons and my favorite husband. Oh boy, this ah, see, thank you, Fred. I really needed that. We're down one, one out of one, Fred. Uh, <laughs> my favorite husband. <laughs> too much fun. Oh, thank you for relieving me. I was going to be really disappointed for the rest of the night. I still under protest. That guy still would have gotten all four wrong if you hadn't helped him. <laughs> I agree. You're right. I really messed up, and he just. I, I, but you know what? You you're still undefeated. I think I think there's great merit in that. It's like holding a record for the most losses in the baseball. Season. This is true. This is true. If somebody's got to do it. You want somebody to break it. Got to break your streak. Okay. What? Awful prisoners. Oh, I know. Okay, press interviews. All right, I know what I wrote here. Okay, what else would you like? Biography is Sally. Oh, good. No kidding. All right. Yeah. You got it. No. Okay. So this, we're working through a list. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that was the item. Oh, right. Oh, boy. Oh, but I am so impressed, Fred. This is the man who would sit and say, um, um, poor people in Africa too. Mm -hmm. And the poor people, no, China, China, and poor people, <laughs> how times have changed. I got a big crack one night in college and somebody spilled their beer and I said to them, because of course we all, we all come from the same lies. I said, you know, they're drunk starving in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, son. They, they got a big kick out of that. <laughs> pretty funny. Um, anyway, I'll let you, I'll let you go. Have a, but okay. Wait, yes, sir. This. Yes. Sorry. I know I'm holding you up. I got to tell you this. You know the guy that played the practical joke Oh, who was it? Did something to the guy's car? Yeah, Ralph. Ralph, yeah. i got to tell you this. Um, we were just kids under mine. You know, we were, we were only like 22, 23. <laughs> we weren't very nice. We were nice, but we were, we were well, partying at a friend's house. Really. Uh-huh. And there was alcohol there. Okay. Yeah. And the guy lived in like a, a his apartment was out back, and there was another guy's apartment out front. And this guy's my best friend. He's a nice guy. He wouldn't do this today, but he was drinking. <clears throat> we're having a party. We're having fun. We're not bothering anybody. And this guy next door comes home, and he starts giving Ray, who is the owner of the, the apartment, a bag of crap on all the people hanging out. And they got in an argument, and the guy storms inside. And so Ray gets like eight of the other guys, and they turn his car over. Oh. <laughs> Under the friggin' roof. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I sat there. Oh, I laughed so hard. Cop Sam Ray got arrested. The guy's car was on his foot, on his roof. Oh, oh. Literally turned it over. 
so much for the family flavor of our show. This is good. We, we need Fred to write an instructional book. Get together with Ralph, and they could write an instructional book on how to have fun, practical jokes. Uh-huh. What do you think? That was the best one I've ever witnessed, though. I couldn't believe it. And I don't think it Neither was, can I. But it, he was not a happy man. Yeah, seeing your car upside down, that'd be really exciting. Well, allow me to ask a really stupid question. Would you be happy with it? Oh, no. I'd be upset. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, if you had turned it around, I think it would be okay. Or blocked the street with it, that would have been fine. Yeah, they turned it over. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, Much property guys, damage. Have a good night. All right, Fred. Okay, Fred. Thanks a bunch. See ya. Bye. 714-545-2071. That would be a little hard to flip a car on the top. I think. Did you ever do anything naughty like that? Get in the phone call. Never. <laughs> Hello there. You're on the air. Hey, Kurt, you ever, you ever turn a car you on just, top of a roof? No. You, you just rescued that. him. No, but I have I have beaten up at least one car. Um, <coughs> I was walking down somebody the else's? <laughs> what? Somebody else's Somebody car? else's? Oh, yes, of course somebody else's. I wouldn't own a car. Um, oh, just, just. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking, I was walking down. <laughs> I was going to class. I was late, so I was moving down the street, and my cane was moving so fast that it wasn't as ac- I wasn't as accurate as I should have been. Uh-huh. And I hit this car, and I was going at a good rate of speed, and I pounded the hell out of it. Really? Who's, I don't know whose car it was. You just... I don't know if, you know, um, I knew it wasn't my car. Uh-huh. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't know, and I didn't care, yeah. and then I went on to class. Anyway, um, I heard Ivan talking tonight about, because mm-hmm. I, I did send him the email, but interestingly enough, he played, um, uh, um, John Ford, John Ford's father, um, well, not, no, no, not John Ford. John Houston's father. Walter. Walter. Walter Houston, and I listened to him on at Devil Speed uh, playing the um, Rip Van Winkle. And do you know it sounded very similar to Lionel Barrymore. And I, I could not believe how much it sounded like Lionel Barrymore. Mm. So if you ever get a chance to hear that. Okay. And I think it also comes off of 78s. Um, is, you know, you could hear, I mean, it was well done, but you could hear the breaks between the 78s, and I'm sure that's what it came off a lot. But I was very surprised, because it sure did sound like Lionel Barrymore. Oh, and in regards to your email about the, uh, the show being late, Tricia, uh-huh. I do yeah. have one thing to say to you. What? Good morning to you. Good morning to you. <laughs> Why, well, thank you. Yes. yes. I said we're all in our places with bright, shiny faces. Nobody knows that anymore. It's one of the many songs that have that have disappeared from the minds of anybody, I think, except for 
those of us who are old enough to have heard it a long time ago. And oh, kids still sing it now? I don't think so. I don't know if they do or not. I mean, they, maybe they should, but I bet they don't. I bet hmm. But anyway. All right. Well, you guys keep talking. I'll 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 look for something. Yeah, I just I just thought that, that you know, like I said, I saw that and it, and it, it rang a bell, and I said, you know, I have to be sure and mention it because because it's something that um, if you're old enough to remember it, then you do, and it's, and and most people don't. And oh yeah, mm. I got to tell you about my week. Um, Please and Kathy. Well. Kathy comes home probably a week from yesterday. We're hoping it's actually going to be longer because we don't think she's going to be strong enough to get up the stairs and stuff. But um, they haven't given us a lot of choice because it's, it's Medi-Cal and HMO and all that. Yeah. Um, this Monday, uh, I'm having two teeth pulled. Oh, dear. And so... And the funny thing was, I wrote a note to my oncologist, and I said, um, okay, I'm having two teeth pulled on Monday. Do I go for chemo on Wednesday? Well, so the message I get back says, you have to fax us the form. You have to go to the lab tomorrow and have a blood test, and if your blood test is okay, you can have the teeth pulled. So I did that, and yes, I can have the teeth pulled. But my question remains, which they never actually answered. Oh, by the way, do I still do I go to chemo Wednesday or not? <laughs> it's oh. my service and satisfaction routine. I can serve you until both of us are blue. But if I haven't satisfied you, what good is it? Yeah. So anyway. Jeez. So, so I, did you get it squared away? Well, no. I still don't know. Um, I, I have to write, I'll write the letter this week, I'll write the note this weekend to the doctor and I'll have the teeth pulled on Monday and then I'll watch my email and see, you know, what they write me back. But the doctor said last, because they've been telling me for, you know, a couple of years, those teeth have to come out. And finally last Monday he said, look, you have a fistulous tract. It's oh boy. You know, we can't wait anymore. These have to come out, and they have to come out now. So I said, well, okay. I bought as much time as I could buy, and, you know. Sure. So, but he says, this is not, certainly not good for you, and, you know, which I know, but I just hate to lose my, you know, two back teeth on that side, but, you know, uh, it's, there's nothing I can do about it. The hazard of keeping them yeah. far outweighs the hazard yep. of losing them in in this case. Yeah. Yep. So they've yeah. And they're they're both on the same side. Yes. They're they're next to okay. Yeah, they're next. All right. That'll that'll help the healing process. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, and they put, but they put me on penicillin, so it's it's been a difficult week um, otherwise, and it does a number on my digestive tract. So. Mm hmm. Anyway, it's interesting. And I'm getting my exercise going back and forth. Anyway. Boy, I'll bet you are. That's the way things are. And are you are you okay? You're doing all right and managing? Yeah, actually, um, actually, uh, Matt was over here. He actually called uh, from my house. 
tonight. Oh, gosh. Okay. He's, he's um, staying over tonight to um, uh, help clean up the Kathy's, you know, like her side of the room so we can, you know, get it all cleaned up and ready for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he's going to be here for that, and uh, which is going to be helpful. But, yeah. I've been trying to spend as little as possible, but I still have to, I mean, you know, the money still doesn't really stretch that far, so it's just kind of the way things are. Yeah. But i gotta buy, got to buy some glucerna or something because I don't think I'm going to be eating for a couple of days, you know, since I'm losing the two teeth on that side and, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, like I said, it's one of those things. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know how, you know, the husband is always seen as a person that when they get sick, you know, you have to bring them stuff and you have to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't believe in that. I just kind of, I just go away till it gets better and then I can, you know, come out and do whatever it is that I do. So, you know, I'm sure that if she were here, Kathy would agree with that because I, I don't believe in, in, you know, all that other stuff. But anyway, that's just me. But uh, anyway, but I had to tell you because I was so surprised that uh, that, that Walter Houston sounded so much like Lionel Barrymore, and I, I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I was very surprised. And uh, and yeah, he's, he was exact. What I wrote in my email was true. That. Um, I'm 60 years old, and I had not heard Green Eggs and Ham all the way through. Wow. Because when I was growing up, there were very few children's books. Um, and, and when I started reading Braille, I didn't read children's books. I read, you know, older books. And, and surprisingly enough, and I, I think I am, well, I know why, uh, my parents didn't read to me that much. Because, you know, since my dad was in the Marines and gone for months and months, mother didn't have time, and I don't think she read to the kids. Well, I know she didn't. She didn't read, you know, much anyway. So I didn't hear a lot of children's stories until much later, and I didn't even know. I knew about the cat in the hat because it seems to me somebody read that to us in some class along the way or whatever. But I don't know, I don't know exactly when Green Eggs and Ham was written, because um, I started going to school in like 58. So maybe it wasn't even written yet, but I was surprised at how much I really missed as far as children's literature was concerned. And the, the irony is that because I've always been interested in literature and the and the written word and all that kind of stuff, the irony was how much I realized later that I had missed. Just didn't even know it existed. So, which actually brings me to your question of the evening. Well, my question before we get to the question of the evening. Yeah. <laughs> what? What famous song did Walter Houston introduce? It's a, it's an American standard. Yeah, he introduced a major song that people even still sing today. 
And I'll get, if you guys don't know, I'll just leave it out there for somebody. We're all in our places with bright, shiny faces. He introduced it. He sang it? Or? Yes, he, he sang it. Uh-huh. Sang it in a Broadway show? No, no. I never heard Walter Houston sing. I think I remember. And and Jimmy Durante has a great version of it. A lot of people have a great version of the song. So I'll just leave it out Ink there. Ink a dink a do? No. Not ink a dink a do. That's the only ink. That, that's all I know. Uh, um, I am such a dummy. Young, young at heart. No, but it's in that, it's in that kind of. Uh, or, or, oh, make someone happy. Uh, you get, you, you're getting into that range, but no, not someone happy. Right. Okay, well, I, I'm all, I don't. Okay, I'll just leave it out there. Anymore, but that's, okay. Yeah, I never heard Walter Houston saying like. Uh huh. I'll give you the Broadway show, Knickerbocker Holidays, where he introduced it. So, for anybody who wants to look it up, there's a clue. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't get a prize. I'm not going to look it up. The title is you don't give out prizes. Yes, I do. Do you? Yes, I do. I give really? away. Yeah, I do. I give away Patricia CD. Give that boy a cigar. Yes, okay. If you win, you if I win, I have to send myself a show, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you get an auto box to come in the mail. Do you get a prize, Patricia? There you go. Oh, it's only me. I've got an awful lot to make up for, don't uh -huh. I? Uh-huh. Okay, so, so the question is... What the theme question? The theme. Theme question. Yes, a theme question. Yes. yes. Midterm what? test time. Yes. Well, yes. I, what I was what the one subject you you just dreaded thinking about, never mind having to take a test in? Algebra. Algebra. I was terrible at algebra. I failed algebra when I was in the eighth grade at the School of the Blind. We had the same exact book when I was in high school, and my teacher took pity on me and gave me a D because... He understood that I was really working at it, but I flat didn't get it. And I, I just, um, it was the one thing that I really couldn't do. Uh, I just couldn't get it. And uh, I am so glad that I am so far beyond algebra now that, uh, that I don't have to worry about it. No. Patricia? Yes, Walden? We can start giving us a new segment of trivia questions through the family. What? Algebra questions. I knew you were going to say that. He's cruel. He he can he, he don't, he's so sweet, Kurt. He is such a teddy bear. Well, and then he comes out with something like that and he trashes his whole reputation. Well, I, I I'm I'm I I think the family I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I think the family want to help want to Improved or educational upbringing? I, I still with say, with I algebraic still questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, still mm -hmm. I still say ferret, and this will this will my intentions. <laughs> teddy, I agree. Teddy bear to some. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, you know, ferrets. When you have upholstered furniture with seat cushions. They get under the cushions, and if you get near them, they probably bite. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the image is really good, Kurt. Really good. We had, a, we had for a while we had a 
Uh-huh. Somebody brought a bunny and Kathy had the, uh, well, she decided that she wanted it. And so the bunny was allowed to run loose. You know that the, we had one of those, you know, the standing stereos. It's like a cabinet with the speakers. Yes. On each end with the, with the cloth. Uh-huh. Not, it's, actually, it's not cloth. It's like plastic over the speakers. Yes, I I know what so, you're. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Do you know that? Do you know that the bunny chewed holes in and and destroyed both of uh, the speaker grills. Eight holes in both of the speaker grills of the stereo, which actually did doesn't hasn't worked for years. So we didn't, you know, didn't miss much. But the fact that that he would, and we know it's a she. Because yeah. she had her babies under our bed, and this is like a big king-size bed on a, like on a heavy frame. Yeah. She had the babies way under this, under this bed, and uh, <laughs> so it was actually very difficult for us to get the babies out, and then so so that she could move them to the box where she was gonna. Where she was going to raise Well, you know, she knew math. You know, she knew how to multiply. Yes. I, I love the way to send. I, I hope that we've got a recording of this to send to Kurt because the sentence came out. We knew she was a female when she had her babies. Yes. yes. That's a good sign, Kurt. That's a what? good sign. Well, you know... When we originally got the bunny, of course, the first question we yeah. asked was, well, do we know what sex it is? Did you did you have to rename it? And no, I don't even remember what we named it. I don't even remember. Mm. But, um, did she did she come to you in the motherly way, or did a mm, was it did a boy bunny show up? Uh, you know, we can only assume that she was pregnant when we got her. How long does it take for a bunny to make a baby? Not very long, because we didn't have the baby. Because I think, it seems to me the gestation period is about like 28 days or less. I'm not sure, but I think... Yeah, it's very short. Yeah, so we think we think that um, that before we got it, before we she, got her, she met somebody. She wasn't hussying around after the lights went out, huh? No. All right, let's see. Rabbit gestation. 28 to 31 days. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you had her 27 days or less. Yeah, we, yeah, something. I mean, it wasn't very long, and, you know, so it was, you know, as we were happy, you know, was glad to have it, but it just became, you know, too much because I forget how many she had, but it was a lot. But you know, could this money even be made in bunny rabbits? Yes. Well, I know assuming you can catch them before they get under your bed. Yes, and everybody else, it's it's like it's like all the money to be made in um, what if they used to, to uh, like an ermine or whatever? You know, all the all yeah the get rich quick yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If you raise if you raise these things for for it's, their 
or their pelts. You can right. raise, you can make a lot of money. Mink, yeah. I remember one of my favorite Henry Aldrich shows, like one of the first ones I heard, was him trying to raise rabbits and, and keep connect, uh, patients in, in the attics and try to raise money. Mm -hmm. you know? They were great shows, oh, too. Yeah. Gosh, the, uh, those particular programs, no, the program was wonderful. Those particular shows were extra special. Mm -hmm. They were great. Mm -hmm. They were yeah. great. Yep. Anyway, so, anyway, that Are we up to? Yes, we are. We're up to question time? We're up to question. Okay. All right. I found some. I found some. Let me see if I can locate them. Okay. I found some. I found some. Oh. Oh, what did you do with them? You had brand new ones. Brand new ones. So I joined, hmm. a, new, I joined a new Yahoo group this week. Ah. Uh-huh. It's called, the group is called OTR on Pando. And All right. So Pando is a file sharing service, and, it, and if you buy the, if you, if you download the free version, I think you get ads, but you just don't. If you don't worry about how long it takes to download, then I'm, I keep hoping somebody will put up something interesting. Um, so there's, you know, some old radio being put up, but mostly right now they're putting up like One Step Beyond and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I just thought it would be, you know, kind of interesting to see if, if we came up with anything really interesting uh, that, that we hadn't heard of before or whatever. Oh, that which reminds me, your awful show of, mm -hmm. of Watchbird. Yes. I have to disagree with you on that show. You thought it was good? Um, yeah, if you, if you have SF-68, I think that there's another version of that in the 1968 SF-68 shows. Uh-huh. And for 1953... And for the time that Robert Sheckley was writing, uh, I thought that that it very much mirrored the paranoia of the times as far as, as uh, what it would take uh, in terms of what would happen to privacy and whatever. And if you saw the movie Minority Report, in some ways this, the concept is very similar in Minority Report in terms of the brain patterns of murderers um, and finding the, uh, the murderers by their brain patterns. And that was based on a Philip K. Dick story. So I actually thought that it was a, a pretty good, um, I thought it was a good story. I, I thought it was okay. It's going to be very happy to know it has a friend, Kurt. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. I've been, I've abused it. For folks who are listening, who missed what we're talking about, last night was the weekly Patricia's Awful, Awful, Awful show, and I chose Watchbird from, was, was that a 2012 story? No, it was, a, it was a Tomorrow, Tales of Tomorrow, or? Tales of Tomorrow, okay, Tales of Tomorrow, the title was Watchbird, and the essence of the story, it was produced in what, the 1950s, and the setting for this particular story was 2003, so we're talking like 50 years ahead of time. 
um, science fiction, and the grand scientists developed what they called the watchbird. It was a mechanical bird that flew all day long, all night long, and anticipated when somebody was going to commit murder, it would come down, attack, and kill. I had a hard time with that. <laughs> I just had a hard time with with a, a, a mechanical watchbird picking up. But originally, it wasn't supposed to kill them. Okay, that's Actually, part of the that that was part of what that was part of the, the unintended consequence because it wasn't planned that it was going to kill them. But that was just part of of what started happening when they wouldn't obey like they were supposed to. And so that's that's the first the first sign that, that the train was going off the rails was when it actually started to kill people. Okay, I thought the science, I thought the scientists had gone off the rail no, with wrong. the concept with the concept of launching a mechanical I mean it was like something out of lost in space with the robot that used to say, warning, 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 Will Robinson, danger, danger. Yeah, but the, yeah. yeah, except that this didn't even, this didn't even give you that much warning. It just, it just struck. It swooped, it, it swooped down and interrupted. Yeah, yeah, it did. And eventually it started to do sort of crazy things, like if you wanted, I guess, one was a meatpacking place. Yeah, slaughterhouses. The, the slaughterhouses, and I don't know, I think they were worried about chicken eggs even, and vegetables, and um, the wife was going to smack a bug on her husband's lapel, and the watchbird was watching, and that was going to be committing murder, and the whole world went crazy. Yep. I thought it was pretty awful. Well, anyway, I just, I just thought. So, well, I need to hear from other people. I always ask, and, and and say it's up to you. So, I'm happy to hear that somebody actually liked the show. Uh, yeah. And I may well be in the minority here. Well, I, and I, I accept know. that. I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that it was. I I'll just, cry, but I accept it. I just thought it was, it was worth the time, you know, that that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought it was a dumb concept. Well, like I said, if you ever get the chance to see a Minority Report, um, with uh, I think Tom Cruise is in that. Um, yeah, it's a movie from I forget exactly when, but you should, if you ever see that on on your TV channel, you gotta watch it. Yeah. Okay, um, Patricia, I'm gonna you... call you back because you're breaking up on us a little bit. So hang up there okay. and hold Give on. Me one hold on, Kurt. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Just stay, everybody, stay behind. Jaws for Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Presence of plus H for a Select a drill drag. Patricia Hotel. Home. Patricia. Carol. Echo slash sound. Bill Brad. Echo. Favorites. Drag. All. Change. Bill Brad. Online. Three of one. Bill Brad. Echo slash. Imagine. Jerry. Ed. Jimmy Milk. Kansas, Bowling Head, Susan Sight, Tim Bowling, Plus One Five, Bill Pine, Cynthia Collier, Grant C, Silver Phone, Tim Taylor Phone, KAC Radio, Carolyn Pine, Carolyn Pine, Patricia Hughes Phone.
Am I am I with Kurt? Yes. Okay, because I I'm having trouble hearing him. I wanted to ask you if it was reasonable, a reasonable statement for you to believe if I told you I don't like science fiction. Yes. You would believe me. I would believe you. <laughs> Kurt, I'm not a science fiction fan in general. There's some stuff that I really like. But it's not my favorite genre. Okay. Well, I, I, that's you know, I, that's that's what makes horse races, and I, you know, I, I just thought. <laughs> well, it also is a reason that when I listen to a piece of science fiction, I don't have an awful lot for comparison. Right. Right. So it's not a it's not a comparative decision. It's just listening and liking or not liking. Oh, oh, that's, so, that makes I, yeah, I don't make a fair. It, it's not a fair evaluation because of my limited background in science fiction. That but said, I, but that I actually, said, I, go ahead. I actually think, though, that the, that the fact that you have these shows, I think it's, I think they make very good conversation points because, you know, uh -huh. our, all of our opinions, I mean, I think in some ways, add to everybody's enjoyment and give everybody the chance to listen and, and decide what they think and go from there. I think, I think it's wonderful. Well, I agree. I agree. And I love it that you don't agree with my choice. Well, I, you know, I, I thought it was, a, you know, I thought it was pretty good. And, and, well, you know, and I, I love it that you disagree, mostly because I learned stuff tonight from you. Well, but Kurt, it's still a lousy show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> My opinion only. Now, for people who are listening and missed last night's show of awful shows, you really missed a good deal here. Yeah. Actually, you know, is Walden is there a rescheduling of? Of her show because I know that there's reschedulings of the other. Well, my understanding, yes. Um, once we it's go supposed off, to be on Sunday morning. Right. Once we get off the air, the early in the morning, her stuff is replayed. Oh, okay. Now, also, if, if anybody has a way to tape, um, yep. Showing my age or what? <laughs> <laughs> Or you could just send an email to Patricia, and I'll send the show to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Of course, you wouldn't have my comments, Her, but I wrote them down so I could even send my comments. Patricia commentary of Pycos. Sometimes. I, yeah, you couldn't pay for them, could you? No, cause, thought, because they're above, they're above, they're above the old Marty Dollar. I thought your comments for for the show. I I thought. I thought those were very worthwhile because, you know, 
it is exactly what she thought, and, and you know, she's yeah. so no, it, it, I, You know, our Patricia does not have an opinion on anything. We know that. Oh, yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Oh, I'm, I'm just a little wallflower here. No, I, no, I think, no, I, I think it's really important that, that um, you know, that, that she has her own opinion and that, that she cannot be influenced. That's why I, that's why I lovely keep teaching her because she, she, I claim she got an opinion on everything, and she, I think she could taken aback by that. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh -huh. I think you're right. I have an opinion on everything. <laughs> Just ask me. <laughs> well, I totally agree. Because she communicates very well. Oh, yes. 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 And good, good communication skills when I say, boy, did that show smell yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> Allow me to say that show stinks. Don't. Yeah. It's stinks. Stinks. Yeah, it yeah. was really a lousy show. But I would be happy to share it and send it to anyone. Just ask me, floridawriter at hotmail.com. And if you like, I'll include the comments I made and tell you why I thought it was a crummy show. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I think it's very much, I think everybody should hear it because I think it's worthwhile, whatever whatever your ultimate opinion is. I think it's, it's very much worth commenting on. Some of the shows that she runs, I think, don't really need... <laughs> no, no, but no discussion necessary, huh? But I love listening to her commentary. Oh, I, no, I love the commentary. Yeah. But there are some shows that actually are so... Especially today when, when there's no such thing as privacy, when when all of our Twitters and all of our emails yep. are going to a place in Utah, yep. and somebody can look them up and and you know or ask your your internet provider to send them all of your emails mm -hmm. without telling you, you know I think I think this this whole this whole privacy issue is just a couple of steps beyond that because mm -hmm. because the next thing that they're going to be starting on is hey. What are you? What were you thinking at that time? No. So I think it's. I think. I think the arrogance of man has not decreased in the last. You know, since that show was produced. Yeah, true. I think you are right on target conceptually. That we are in such trouble. There is always someone who knows. Well, I. Boston is a good example. Those two had no clue how many visual images are just part of everyday life. I, you know, I, I walk along a sidewalk and just never even think about how many outdoor cameras and traffic lights that have automatic cameras snapping people who go through yellow and red lights. And so conceptually, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to have all sorts of artificial means to intrude on our privacy. I just thought having a mechanical bird flying overhead was pushing the envelope. Yeah. Well, well like I said, I, I think if anybody gets the chance to hear it, then perhaps, you know, I don't know if it'll ever be, it'll ever be discussed again, but I think anybody who wants to take a half an hour and listen to it will still find it worth their time. I agree. I agree. And I think the awful, the worst of the awful shows 
are worth listening to just for the fun of knowing that they were produced. Yeah, yeah. And then have something that prompts and engenders a conversation about it. Oh, right. woo, goody, goody. I agree, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, we did. Wait a minute. <laughs> we got so hung up on helping Patricia form an opinion. You know, she really needs help. I know, I know. She... It's awful. All right. All right, I'm going to read a statement. And then I, if you need, I'll give you multiple choice, but I think you'll probably get it. Okay. It begins with, my name is Mary Noble. I got more than I bargained for when I married one of America's matinee idols. I grew up in a small town in Iowa and had no idea of how to be the wife of a man so many other women admired. I had to work hard to keep my marriage solid. So what's the name of the story? Uh, Mary Noble, Backstage Wife. You got it. Now the question is... And you know what? I've never actually heard one of those shows. Oh my God! It's one of the classics. We can no, give that. Fun. We I give just... that to you as a prize. Huh? We give that to you as a prize if you want it. I've never actually heard the show. But, I mean, I, well, you know, I've only heard one, and it had some of the richest soap opera stuff. Actually, I guess I've heard three or four. It it's one of the richer soap operas. Yep, I actually enjoyed it. I don't know why I, I didn't do. listen it, to more. It, 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 well, the one, the, the one that we have a whole, a whole, it's a mystery. Okay, it's, it's trying to solve a murder. In and, and this was part of, or is that the entire run? It's about this about six months worth, and it's pretty much it, it's trying to solve a murder, murder case. Is that one that they have most of the shows of? Uh huh. Yeah. Huh. I might have to look into it. Just um. Just for. Yeah, for a variety. Just for the heck of it. Yeah. Mary Noble. Right, did, did you hear in the beginning the show, what did what did we call it? Um, for what? Forecast. Okay. Forecast. Yeah. Forecast. I have a collection of 23 shows, most of them auditions, and the title of the program was Forecast that gave peaks at what was coming down the line and what they thought were going to be successful shows. Yeah, I, I know about some of them, like Walden mentioned, I know about Suspense, and I think I may have heard a couple of the other ones, but I don't think, I certainly haven't heard 23 of them. So, so I, I would like that as my prize, because I know I haven't heard 23 of them. Well, I offered it to other people tonight, but the truth is, I actually grabbed it for you. Aww. I appreciate that, because if that's, um, like I said, I know I've, I've, I've heard a couple, but I... Uh-huh. Well, I popped into the beginning of a couple of them, and it sounded like a pretty neat concept, that these are the things being listened to and coming down the pike and have won auditions or... Uh, have been chosen from a list of auditions. I thought it was a pretty nifty concept. Oh, I do too. I do too, and it's it's really kind of too bad. Well, I don't know how long they continued it. But two summers, 40 and 41. Okay. Uh, two summers, but that would mean 23 is not too far off. No, not, I, not too would, far for the whole set. Yeah. yeah, that would cover two seasons, you know, yeah. two summers. Yep. 
So, okay, cool. That would be good. I will do that. Okay, well, like I said, we may get more calls in here, and uh, um, so I will hopefully talk to well, yeah, I'm, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. I don't know how things are going to be happening by Saturday, but uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be okay, and I'll be all yeah. healed up and stuff by Saturday. You bet. Okay. So I will talk to you guys later. Right, you Kurt. take care of yourself. You're up for um, a really busy and difficult week. Yep, I know. And then the next Monday is my bone marrow biopsy, so um, wow. part is full this month. Boy, oh boy, you have got a full plate. I hope this means that you've cleared the dining room and your plate is empty by the time you get finished with this and you're okay for the rest of the year. Wow. Wow. Okay, Kurt, thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Well, then I don't have opinions. I know that. I just, I just, I just have thoughts to share. Uh, you have... Thoughts to share. You have nuggets of info. Uh, I, I think I have boulders. Yeah. 714-545-2071. This is the girl with the rocks. So give it a call. You didn't say that, folks. <laughs> Seven one four five four five. <laughs> Oh. Well, then we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You are too funny. Too funny. I just love to put a smile on your face. Oh, you certainly do. Hello there. You're on the air. Hey, well, you guys doing? There you go, Jerry. Well, hey, Jerry, how, how are you? Oh, doing good. How are you guys making out? We are doing just well. I am. I'll let Weldon speak for himself. I am dandy. I am super. All right. All right. Jerry, how are you? Oh, good. Yeah. See, you show the triplets are good. Okay. Well, we got that all settled. Thanks for calling, Jerry. It was really nice to hear from you. <laughs> how are things going with you? Oh, just fine. And your little guy? Empty house when a little fireball isn't there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody, first, first thing they come in the door, where's the baby at? <laughs> Aw. Aw. And you guys get along. What kind of weather are you having, and are you able to get time outside with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, yesterday we had some bad storms, and then uh, today there was, you know, had a bunch of people here uh, looking out in the yard. Oh, Oh. Maybe we can get to see Jerry earlier in the calendar, Not Walden. May. 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 All right, now, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a guy who thinks fishing in 42 below zero is good things. Yeah, true. Um, but, but, Patricia, but, it's but, what, what? <laughs> I say it's, it's below freezing tonight. So. Uh, never mind. Cancel the order, Walden. All right, all right. Now, you had outdoor barbecue yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. It was a beautiful day, yeah. All right. Now, what was a beautiful day? Describe that for me. Oh, it's just sunny and uh, uh, not much of a breeze. And, you know, 
very warm. Don't you, don't you, fairly warm. Don't you like that qualification there? Fairly warm. Please be a little more definite. What is fairly warm in Maryland terms? Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's not okay. Yeah, I was outside uh, a little while ago, and on on the porch it was uh, a little under 40, and the open door it's definitely about five degrees colder outside. No, no, no. We need to rethink this. I know. All right, now I mean, 70 degrees this time of the year, especially, and coming into spring, that was really nice. And I agree, that was, as long as the sun was out, that was good for a barbecue. When the temperature starts to drop, how long does it take to get to your nighttime temperature? When the sun, when the sun drops. So you've got to have your barbecue pit all padded down and all your napkins and stuff taken in before dark. No, no, we're we're inside. Walden and I are inside. We're we're not outside with jackets. No, 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 can't do that. Oh, Jerry, you must be built of concrete. Well, I, you know, I don't see outside so much anymore. But uh, you know, people out here, they'll be out there looking on the grill when it's in a snowstorm. You know. <sighs> I still have the image in my head that you drew in words the night you talked about ice on the truck and having, you, you had a car carrier and the ice was so thick on the top that when you drove the car up, it just kept going. Yeah, it just hit the top of it, yeah. And it sort of fell off. A couple of times. Yeah. A couple of times? <laughs> I thought this was an isolated incident. But my gosh, my gosh. It, Trucker. Excuse me, I haven't seen. Excuse me, I haven't seen one with a sign like that for a very long time, and I just thought it was one of the neatest alerts that I have ever seen. Yeah, some people still pay attention to it. Boy, I sure did. I mean, I knew it. it. That's a common sense thing. If you can't see his mirrors, how can he possibly see you in the mirror? So it, it's a common sense thing, but it really was a nifty reminder on the back of trucks. If you can't see me, I can't see you. Right. Yeah, it's amazing how many people just don't understand that. No, no. And wide turns? They don't have a clue what a wide turn is. Dear me. Dear me. Oh, well. I keep telling people, if you ever hear that I died in a car crash because I was road raging, it's a lie. It's a lie. You want the road, you've got it. I'm I'm a little bit more valuable than a parking space. So, anyhow. Hmm? One time I, uh, uh, I was going back way then. I had an old uh, 
make a right turn into the parking lot. And push that and make a little wide turn there. And this girl started, she's trying to pass me on the shoulder. Oh my. Oh no. And uh, drove right into the corner of the truck. Didn't hurt the truck at all, but crumpled a fender up. And uh, it, was a, it was an old Volkswagen. Yeah, the, there's a Volkswagen for uh, the fenders. You know, they just unbolt and pop them off. They're like, yeah, since they're like aluminum foil. Well, they were, they were heavy enough, but I mean, they were, the way they came apart, they weren't like, you know, they, they yeah. were you know. But anyway, yeah. anyway, the, the fender that she crumpled was, was a different color than the rest of the car. <laughs> she had practice. I just put on yesterday. I've been driving around for almost a year with it all bent up. <laughs> and she finally got it fixed, and the next day she hit me. Oh, my. It's like washing your car and having it rain the next day. You just don't fix your fender. Well, it meant she had practice. I wonder what she hit the first time. <laughs> That's funny. I can't believe somebody would do that. That's what directional signals are for, dear. <laughs> Too much, too much. Jerry, what was the longest haul you ever made? Well, I mean, I've been all over the United States since I was, you know, uh, the lower 48. I, I, I never went up into Alaska with it. So when, when I ask you the longest haul, when you got to the end, the most miles you logged on a haul, what was it? Like from the time I left home to the time I got home or from the time I took up the ladies to deliver the Pick up a load and deliver it. Yeah, well, you'd be looking at, I don't know, uh, whatever it is from, like, New York to Southern California. So the whole route, yeah. Gosh, that would be more than 3,000, I would think. That's a lot of miles. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I ran, ran all 48, 48 lower states. Now, before... And you said you've, you've been out of trucking for about 20 years now? <clears throat> Excuse me. There was a time when the number of hours a trucker logged in a day was not regulated and limited. That was before my time, yeah. When you talked with guys who ran in that era when they had no oversight, when they didn't keep logs, when, I don't know, what the, what is the limit, 10 hours, 8 hours? Well, when I was... I was doing it, you were allowed to drive 10 hours uh, and work for 15 hours. In other words, you know, you work not driving, like loading, unloading, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so you could, you could work 15 hours and drive for 10 hours, but then you had to okay. take an eight-hour break. Then you had to take a break. Okay, so you could, you could mix up uh, the hours in any way, but um, no more than 10 of the 15 hours could be yeah, behind the wheel. Um, hours you couldn't drive. I mean, you could continue working, but you couldn't drive. Right. And then uh, uh, you were allowed to work uh, 70 hours in eight days. Uh, so okay. If you, if you worked 15 hour days, uh, it didn't take long to run out of hours. You had to take a couple of days off. That's why, we, that's why you always ran two or three logs. Yeah. 
Now, before the regulations went in, I'm assuming you guys had to keep logs, and when anybody checked your truck or pulled you over, they'd say, show me your logs. Yeah, Correct? And they would ask for the logs. Were you on your honor on those logs? Could you fudge? Silly me. But uh, when the when the logs hit the office, they had to look right because they were they were kept on file, and and that's where usually violations are found when they uh, you know when they come in and do an audit at the, at the office. Ah, oh, okay. All right. So, well, now of course everything is computerized, but you had to keep the records by hand. So if you put in, let's say one day. You were really bad, and you put in all 15 hours were driving time because you could. You didn't have load and unload. You didn't have to unload until you got to the end. Well, you still weren't legal to drive after, after 10 hours. I know, but I'm, I'm suggesting that maybe some of the guys actually did 15 hours of driving. But you managed to reconcile the records. Because your driving hours would match the miles, but you were actually in control of your time between the the um, dispatch point and the and the unload point. Yeah, so you yeah you you could do that. You were creative. All right. Now before the regulations went in, that supposedly limited. Uh, severely, or, or actually put monitors on what the drivers were doing. What is the longest single drive? How many hours would somebody be in a truck without an eight-hour break? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I kind of figured that out even before I talked with you. Now, there is, in some way, somehow, some people have romanticized trucking. Like, it's, it's an exciting thing to drive across the country, and you get to see everybody, and people respect you, and truckers are loved, and I mean, they really are, but... Um, there's something romantic about being able to do cross-country hauls. You think that came from the music? Especially I'm thinking uh, of the 60s that, w- that was one of the questions I was going to make. What did a song like Convoy do to you poor guys? Oh, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, there's movies and stuff. You know, that's what people, you know, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's Hollywood. It's something for fun. And people think that's the way Trump is. I, I 
No. Uh, tell me, tell me what it was. Well, it was a uh, a guy owned a, an independent trucker, and, and he had this uh, young young guy. He regulated his co-driver, and the young guy was college educated and all. And the older guy was in himself. Uh, he was going to a lot of us. But anyway, um, the storyline was there, just an independent trucker running around the country. And are you still there? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. All right. I thought I lost you. Anyway, um, uh, one week they'd be, uh, you know, he had a uh, conventional cab Kenworth truck. And, uh, you know, one week they'd be pulling a, a refrigerated trailer, next week a flatbed, next week they'd be dragging mobile homes around. You know, all kind of nonsense. Uh, all of the livestock. Mm-hmm. He did all kind of messes. And, uh, it, it was it was very entertaining just to watch the nonsense. You know? <laughs> how close to reality, or how how far away from reality was the show? Oh, it was. It would be like uh, uh, watching uh, General Hospital and saying that's that's what the medical industry is like. <laughs> <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! Well, then I asked about the song "Convoy." Did you have others? Oh, I was thinking uh, Red Savoy, Red Savoy, Savine. Yeah, I remember like it and uh, Dave Dugley. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are some of the ones I would think. Those are like uh, um, Red Savine had two. I think one was. Uh, teddy bear right. with a big head of his right. and the other one I was trying to think um gosh what was the one the the other the ghost the ghost truck I forget the other over the title of that one yeah where but, you uh, picked up a hitchhiker uh-huh yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of variations of that in different songs and then and then I remember when somebody checked my favorite one of the trucking song what the white knight oh yeah <laughs> that was a great song yeah, that was uh, that was the seventy C D era. Uh huh. Uh that's uh that group they actually did show with that. Yep. Yeah. I think it was Convoy, I think it was uh C. W. McCall. Right. Yep. Yeah. And uh you know, C. W. McCall, I believe he was uh he was actually uh, an executive of the company and started doing like at that song or uh at eight song or something. Convoy, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard the White Knight, Patricia? Tell me what's in it, and I'll be able to tell you. And with the one that he had all um, swing in it, and he would speak 80 mile per hour, and it would, and he would use terms of double nickel and uh, you know, bang, bang, bang. The White Knight was a uh, Georgia State trooper. Yeah. And uh, he would get on there and sucker guys and then the other roads too. <laughs> Oh, I would have remembered that one. Oh. <laughs> it's up on YouTube. You can probably pull it up on YouTube. Oh, yeah, it's on YouTube. And you, you would get a kick out. It, 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 it came out in taking 76. And I even bought the record album as a kid. I just loved the way he did it. And there were two versions. Um, the one for commercially, and then there was the longer one for dick jockeys. So, it was awesome. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. On the road, Jerry, did you ever encounter 
law enforcement, anything that would pull a stunt like that? You can, huh? Yeah, it just doesn't. You know, it would just be like if you were talking to another professional or something, and you could tell if they are or not. You know, you, you know I understand. Okay, I got it now. Uh, so yeah. if I got on I and one fellow, a, a Pennsylvania State Trooper, and he drove a truck part time. Uh, oh. His girlfriend actually uh, worked for a company where I had had one of my trucks leased to. Mm-hmm. But he had the right background for both, so he really could pull something like that off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, uh, running up right behind. He, he, he was uh, one of the guys that, that worked for the company. He was telling me about it. He, he was going up the road, and this guy was talking to him, and and a real strong signal. He was, and he was struggling pretty good, probably 15, 20 mile an hour speed limit. And uh, this guy was talking to him, and he was going for miles. Oh my! You're right behind him where he couldn't see. As you said, you can't see him in the mirror. Yes, yes. Behind the truck where the, where the driver couldn't see him, you know, and he pulled out there in that big old state police car. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> oh, that's funny. A guy like had a heart attack, you know. <laughs> I would guess. Gee whiz! So I can't see you because, uh, or you can't see me because I can't see your mirrors can be used as a tool along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my word. Oh, my well, word. That's what I'm to do is follow you with the lights off in the dark. And, oh, uh, they do that, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. The way you, the way you catch them, sometimes they'll, they'll mess up and they'll flip the, the uh, beacon on before they turn their headlights on. Yeah, and you notice the beacon. And all of a sudden Damn. Then go. They don't play there. I don't know if they do that kind of stuff anymore or not. I mean, is that back in the road when it's full? What are a favorite favorite place for truckers to eat? A different court that you generally would make, you know, a. a so usually some place with a big parking lot. Big parking lot to make sure. Yeah, think about the good food. That's a, that's that's. Uh, Number two is the food. Number one is the parking lot. That's funny. That's funny. Truck stops. Yeah. Truck stops of America. Good places? It used to be. Uh, uh, last few times I've been in truck stops, I don't like them at all. Unimpressed. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's—I think that's illegal. I mean, even the truck stops had this romantic yeah. aura about yeah. them. 
the truckers would get in, they'd have a bowl of chili and crackers, and they'd you had to have chili in a truck stop. Yeah, oh yeah, and uh, the the other thing was like when I was trucking, you had different places that you liked certain things, you know. And uh, you know, you know, like I had you know one place that you they, they just made real good uh, like Spanish omelet or something, so you try to stop there for breakfast. Uh huh. And uh, I remember another place out in uh, out in Nebraska. I, I like I like spending kind of beans, you know, and they had a, a, a free bean salad that I've never had anything like it anywhere before or since, you know. <laughs> and if I got through there about lunchtime, I'd always stop having a bean salad. Well, I, I never thought about it in those kinds of terms. I was thinking, you know, truck stop is a truck stop. They've got good accommodations, and but you actually had favorite places, like that with food, yeah. How cool. Do you ever miss being on the road? Yeah, but I, I get over it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> How quick? Oh, seven or 12 seconds. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. Elizabeth as well? Oh, yeah. And you're going to say hi to her for me? Oh, sure. And you're going to answer a question before you go? Oh, yes, you will. You always all try. You and the other guys. It's a guy thing. We'll all try. Let me see what we've got here for you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, he was good in everything he did. Look up some of his shows. Yeah, you, uh, you, you know, you know enough about trucks just from talking to me. You, you'll get a glance out of it. I think you'll enjoy a little bit of it. I'll, I'll take a look. Some on YouTube. I'm not sure. Okay, moving on. You said. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Okay, I will, I will do that. I will do that. All right. Being tunnel, can always think of Hank Snow, but always think of being of a train song rather than a. You can ask it. Merle Haggard is a theme song. Did he? Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I remember Merle version. That's right. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. My goodness. All right. Um, I have to do something really good here. Okay. Oh, they're really rolling in on you, aren't they? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, one of the old TV says, you know, somebody out there we're doing it like Pruitt, you know, or something. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, burning up the road, you know, doing it like Pruitt or do it like Pruitt or something like that. All right. It was it was funny anyway. Okay, I'm I will make a point. So I've got to listen to White Knight and moving on. I can do that. Okay. All right. Supporting cast of characters in this show: Mel Blanc, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and Rochester. Good job. I didn't even have to give you multiple choice. No. Uh, you guys are getting too good for me. I was telling somebody yesterday about it was at a, uh, a, uh, there's a car, I can't think of it, it's a cartoon character, so the baby has a car out here that makes that sound, and uh, I can't think of what the character is, but somebody said something about making it a ringtone on his phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, we actually need uh, Mel Blank doing the <laughs> next 
Yeah. <laughs> Did he know what you were talking about? They had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awful? We just love this hobby so much, and people don't even know what we're talking about. I mean, I don't even want them to know what I'm talking about. I want them to know what I'm talking about. You know the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're with me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could do that. Well, you can buy. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Okay, so that means I can send you something. What would you like me to send? Um, I've I've got Jack Benny that I sent you the last time, but I yeah. don't know which shows I sent you. Yeah, I have to. The problem is my my uh, computer's been messing up. My, uh, it doesn't recognize any of the uh, ROM drives. Oh, okay, man. I'll tell you what. I put a new uh, uh, pass fly in it that solves some of the problems. That I yeah. Recognize the drive. So, are you telling me that anything I sent you, you're not able to listen to? Well, I can listen on the other computers. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, with Jack Benny, what I'm going to do, and I'll depend on you to tell me if I did it right, because when I send something, somebody wants send me Jack Benning or send me Gildersleeve, I will take shows out of the middle because middle shows tend to be richest. So I'll just, I'll go to the end and work backwards. And I think you'll probably get some new and different shows in there. But if they wind up duplicating, let me know and I'll go on the other end. Okay. Well, Jerry, it's so good to hear from you. We miss you when you don't call and I'm glad everything is okay. You too, Thank you. Bye bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We are here. We are here. I watched a Perry Mason the other night. Perry Mason black and white television. Uh huh. Now Raymond Burr was known for carrying an awful lot of weight. Okay. These were the early, early shows that I was looking at. He had plaid jackets instead of a suit. Yeah. He was slender. And they pulled into the Vista Motel, one of the props. Right. And the sign on the front was 350 a night with kitchen. As in $3.50. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that cool? $3.50. That's how old it That's was. Good. Who's there? Hello there. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Um, right after I finished calling, I had thought of something. Um, when we were talking about um, how important it is to communicate, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, do you think that uh, where kids grew up and who are either raised by uh, what kind of group of friends that you have any effect on that? Oh, gosh, yes. I think oh, my goodness. I, think, hmm? I sure think, though, Matt, you're born with it. Yeah. I I think, what, you disagree, Patricia? I disagree. Okay. I think, as Matt said, now, we, we take, Harwood and I talk periodically. Harwood, where are you, by the way? Harwood and I talk, and he's teaching me how to talk Southern. Right. And poking fun at me because I talk Northern. 
and that's regional. We really do speak different languages in some areas. So an ability to communicate perfectly with people in, who come from different regions. I mean, you, we tease about my New York. So, yeah, I think it has a tremendous influence. And the people you spend time with, what kind of language skills do they have? And you emulate them. Sure, I think that's one of the major influences. Well, what would make what What would make you say not? Well, I think I think a lot of education, uh, drive, communication skills, math skill. I think a lot of that's internal. Think of you know, think of somebody like Abraham Lincoln who then who grew up in a very poor America. Uh, you know, log logs, education, homeschooling. And, you know, it was his internal drive that got him to where he'd be. It was his internal drive that made him want an education. Right. But there's no way he could have communicated without that education and learning from people around him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I, grew, if I grew up in a rural agricultural community, I'm going to speak in a different way than if I grew up in the middle of the city. But, we but talk I guess, differently. But I guess, I guess what I'm thinking is, no matter what, where, where we live, if you didn't have that drive, it wouldn't do us any good anyway. Yeah. I think we're on a different page on this one. May I ask the question again? Maybe I'm, maybe... Uh, okay. Um, if, since we're talking about communicating and Emphatic yes. Mm. I'm not as definite about it like Patricia is. I I think. And I don't think it takes a child. Uh, there's there's no kind of drive in a four or five year old child who's learning how to speak from his parents. And if his parents don't communicate well, that's what they're teaching the child. It has nothing to do with drive. I, I buy with that, but I'm think, I was thinking, I would picture an older kid in his teens or something. Eventually, that's where they go, but I was using the child as mm -hmm. an example. Mm -hmm. And that's where their basic communication skills come in. And if, again, if that child is in the middle of New York City, let's say, and I'm in the middle of Nebraska in agricultural country, we're being taught different ways of communicating. People in different churches speak different languages. Right. But let's just say you grew up with, you grew up in a family with no books. Mm-hmm. Versus a family Correct. who had books. Correct. Their, their, their communication skills are going to be different. Exactly. What do you think? Of course. Okay. And so, that taps into what... What, what Matt was um, saying. What Matt was asking. But yeah. I, I guess I guess that's giving the child a building block. But eventually, I think it could be his internal drive that's going to take those elements and push it to the next step. So is he going to learn to speak New Yorkese, or is he going to learn to speak Nebraskaese? 
Well, if he lives in a black and his parents are from Brooklyn, it'll be Brooklyn. Well, there you have it, Matt. <laughs> I say right on. Absolutely, yes. I have no opinion, though. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy on how I think. Um, sure, I'm, I'm absolute, and Walden is on the other side. No, so, I think I, I guess I don't think it's necessarily an all-black and white issue. I guess what I'm trying to say. Oh, it was a yes/no question. Yeah. And and my answer is yes. Uh huh. That's it? That's it? Well, I mean, I just um, came up to a thought um, right after I... Um, well, let me ask you this, well, Matt. It's a, it's what, a great thought. It's what about a you? great what thought, you think? and I really appreciate what your you asking think? it. What do you think, Matt? Well, it, let's say um, they're raised in a house with, uh, uh, like, curse words. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, un I understand what you're talking about. And you raised another interesting aspect of this. And you're using a good example. If parents use that kind of language consistently as part of their communication, that indeed is what the kids are going to learn, socially, if the socially acceptable words are different from what they're learning, and they're going to migrate to groups of kids who speak that language. And they're going to stay there. Yeah. So, you, are you, you've really opened some wonderful questions. Now, Walden, would four years of English uh, take away all, all those um, uh, urges to curse? Uh, I, I, I'm still a big advocate of the internal drive of a student. Um, but drive doesn't have anything to do with the words they're taught. No, but I think I think internally you make your own choices. I guess that I would think besides drive, if you decide if you if you were raised with a, with parents who swore all the time, and you decide not to use that yourself, it, 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 I'm saying it's probably a rare kid that's able to overcome that. You know what I mean? Okay. Now let me change. You had just said it's the internal drive. Yeah. It's their it's their choice. Now, changing the facts a little bit, uh, let's say uh, this child was spoiled rotten, uh, like uh, got fed a lot of food and got overweight over the years. Now you're, and you're also saying that it's, uh, uh, let's say it's uh, their choice to, uh, to live that way. So. I think so, yeah. I'm in that so camp. I think, I'm sure of a... But most kids would blame on the, their, their parents or on their, their, their depression. I, I'm more of an eternal person. Yeah, I, I, I guess it, I lean more to internal. That's just, I'm, that's just sort of my bias, I guess. That more than environmental. What about you, Patricia? If a child grows up, and I mean, a four-year-old kid doesn't know how to cook a dinner. True. You put food in front of a child and it's okay with the parent and even encouraged by the parent 
to have the child overeat. And frequently it's because the parent is overweight and they're not going to feel lonely if they feed the kids and encourage them to gain weight. There's a point, as Walden says, there's a point when, as an adult, the person can sit down and say, I have the ability to do something about this. But they're going to have to go against what they learned on the way up. Yeah. They learned how to eat like that. I can't fault them for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of the big question about fictional education system. I know my family, my dad and I are trying to agree the, that the parents should be the one teaching their kids, you know, for education, you know, the, the, the things you learn, but not, but I said, I've often sort of thought, not every family is equipped to teach um, kids academically. And Even I'm, socially. Yes. And familially. Yes. So a lot of them just can't do it. Yeah. They don't have the ability, and that goes back to, it's related to the original question. Mm -hmm. Does environment and people and region and values, the different regions in the country have different values, and that all feeds into the system. So, I think the educational system, the social systems, um, the counseling and school psychologists, I think everybody should be listening to this show tonight. We'll fix everything. We can fix it. We give you a run for your money, at least. That's right. <laughs> we could do that. We could do that. Well, they, honest to goodness, Matt, they really are great questions. Thank you so much. Well, they're not great questions to me. They're just, just questions, but I guess thank you for calling them great questions. They are. Well, they, they are great questions, and anytime a question prompts a discussion from two different viewpoints or three, it's a great question. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Matt, what are you doing up at this hour? Now, now. He's, he's, I just looked at the clock. He, he's a, he, he, he has internal I, drive, and he can make his own decision. I know, but I've got, I've got to set an example. Wait a minute. That's not right. I'm up, aren't I? It's no, very sad. Matt, it's oh. your choice to be up. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. So it's only 17 after one, Matt. So stay up for another five more hours. Yeah, you always say only. It's oh, only. Oh, All right. So oh. I told you about Perry Mason with the three dollar and fifty cent room with a kitchen. I, you I know, think that's a hoot. I guess the time I rem remember Raymond Bird mostly are when I grew up to kid with the Iron Side. TV show. Uh-huh, and yeah. he was he was quite heavy then. I guess I guess I was so with him focused on him being in the wheelchair. That's sort of what mm -hmm. I remember. He filled remember the it. wheelchair. He yeah. he was a, a solid person yeah. at that point in life. But you could tell and you can tell with an awful lot of people in there are just ways. When you look at the person, you know that it's an effort for them to maintain that weight. Effort in the sense, like with Raymond Burr. I mean, he, he was certain, I'll say within normal range, he, was, he wasn't slender, but he certainly wasn't overweight. He was well-built, wore clothes very well, and you could tell by looking at him, though, that he had the propensity for gaining weight. 
you just knew that he worked on staying that size. And gradually he did put on a, a great deal of weight. He always carried it well. It wasn't a problem unless it caused a health problem for him. But when he was slender in these particular shows that I have seen recently, you just knew he was he was hanging. He, he, he had his arms around it. He was really working at staying slender. 714-545-2071. You can give us a call. Patricia and I would love to give you love to give you the opportunity to call us. If not, I can't. And Walden doesn't care that Raymond Berg put on weight. Do you? Um, I, no. I, 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 think, I, I think it's a choice. <laughs> I think it's a choice, yes. All righty. Hello there, you're on the air. Hi guys, it's Edwin, how are you? Edwin! Well, hi Edwin, are you going to lend to the nurture or nature arguments here? Uh, what are the arguments? Well, we really don't know, we're just we're having these... You know, I'm, you know, Patricia and I decided to play um, pro and con. So whatever topic she decided to take a pro, I take the con and vice versa. That way we oh, could, okay. yeah. So are, are we talking about the questions that were just presented by the prior caller? Well, sure, those two. Yes. Yeah, because I... No, not really, no. Okay. That's why I called. <laughs> I, I, I think, to... wait, 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 wait. I, I, I want to start over again. Okay. Hi, Edwin. You're in, you're in Chicago. It's so good to hear from you. What is Chicago weather? And help us know when we have to put Chicago on our visitation list. It's cold. Man. Oh, dear. Cross them off. Cross them off, Weldon. Cross them off. How cold? When are we going to visit our family? It's going to have to be between <laughs> July and September. You're right. July 3rd and July 7th. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to get the entire northern tier yeah. taken care of in four days. Edwin, when you say it's cold, it makes me nervous. What are your temperatures? It's about uh, upper 40s. Well, you've had an awful lot worse this year. Well, Friday, I um, was outside collecting funds for a not-for-profit organization. And when I left my house, it was snowing. It had snowflakes. When I got there to pick up my box and my best identifying the organization, it was raining. When we got out to our corner where we were going to be uh, for a couple hours, it was hailing. Oh, my. Well, you know, wearing no Santa Claus outfit, though, would keep you pretty warm. Well, um, it's, it's, it's not the temperature, it's just, uh, feeling wet. Mm -hmm. Awful, awful stuff. I was commenting to, uh, my partner that, uh, it, it gave me such a respect for those people that do the collecting for Salvation Army during the battle winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen those folks in New York, Patricia, and it's just, uh, it makes me appreciate them. 
Yeah. I appreciate them down here on cool days. It it hurts my heart for them. And, you know, I mean, these are all volunteers. They all stand out. Nobody assigned them. Nobody said, well, you'll get this if we give you that. They, they raise their hands and say, okay, I'll go. And they stand there. No matter where they're sent or where the station is, they stand there and they stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. And they don't even get to really move around in the cold weather. It must be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, you never have a chance to get warm. Never never mind stay warm. Uh, now I dressed in layers because I knew I would be out there and I walked to the office and I broke a sweat. But yeah. I was standing out there and it was cold. And as far as languages I I think there's fifty different languages in the United States. Oh, I I say a hundred. I say that all the time. We have 50 languages. I know 100 languages, and they're all English. Because I think each state has characteristics uh, of their language. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing because there are people, there are talented people in the media that have been able to accomplish pretty much a neutral, neutral or accent-free uh, verbiage. One of them was Johnny um, Carson uh, from yes. Nebraska. Nebraska! And uh, another one is um, uh, David Latterman from the middle of Cornfield uh, state of Indiana. How about, so you remember where Dick Cavett came from? No, uh, I don't. Nebraska. He's, is he a Nebraska kid? He's too? a Nebraska kid, yeah. It, in broadcasting, they always wanted, in the 30s, they were always looking for a Midwest Nebraska sound. Because mm -hmm. it, it was neutral. And that's where they used to train and yeah. shoot for. Exactly. When someone sat in front of a person from Nebraska, they would have no idea where they were from. Right. And still. Right. And then you have people that have an interesting cadence to their uh, vernacular or, or their speech. And, oh yeah. And it's not uh, it's not regional. And I'm thinking about someone that comes to mind right away is Paul Harvey. Uh, and that that was cultivated. You're right. Mm -hmm. That was a cultivated cadence. Yeah. That's a that's a great great point. But you know wow. he was from Oklahoma. You know that's where his uh, roots were. So you, That's you, not that. That wasn't an Oklahoman uh, accent that he had. No. Mm -mm. No, it was a cultivated delivery. You're right. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. I think a, a lot of people cultivate what they want others to hear or hope others will hear. It rarely comes out that way. Well, now Patricia, so you are from New York. I am from New York. Yeah. Yeah. Did you always have a non-New York style of speaking, or was that something deliberate that you really try to tone down? I was conscious of it. Uh -huh. I know that there were some words and some expressions that I grew up with, 
Uh, here we go. I, I grew up with them, and people around me used those words, those pronunciations, that language, that those word combinations to right. make a message. And I learned differently the older I got. So I don't know where that sits. Where does that sit? I well? don't know. Internally, I think you made a deliberate choice to break those. I made a deliberate choice. To, um, I'm trying to think of the right words. See, I can't communicate tonight. You've got me all upset, Walden. I can't communicate. Well, I think, I think there's something natural, and I can't explain it scientifically, but there is something in our in our cognitive uh, makeup that. Uh, leads us to speak to someone uh, in their language. Now, what I mean by that is I've heard people, when they try to communicate with someone that might be Italian or Spanish, and they're conversing, and then they start trying to talk the way they do. And I'm understand a lot better because you put it in a context that they're learning. And I'll, I'll share and, I'm, I'm not saying that correctly, but I, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. I want to share something that happens quite often to me. Now, I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised in a Spanish-speaking home, and I learned Spanish at home, and I'm very eloquent and, and fluent in Spanish. I learned my English in school. Having said all that, it fascinates me when I go out to restaurants or out socially or in public, and I come across someone, a waiter or, a, or, or just any employee of somewhere I might And he speaks several languages, but apparently he did this with all of the languages he spoke. French, of course, was his native language or is his native language. Um, but since he's been in the States so long, he thinks in English and has to struggle to translate his messages into French. It's the other way around. Uh -huh. So could it be, could it be, this is an interesting question, could it be that you have the choice to change and um, well, it tells you to me, it, it tells you me how, how gifted the mental mind is, that it has the flexibility to be in, to put, yeah. to be in different modes. And people who can learn languages anyway. No, I don't think on his part it was a choice. It, it, it was like a person losing the ability, a uh, right-handed person losing the ability to use the right hand for some functions and having to learn 
to do them with the left hand. I did that, for example, I, I had a really bad break in my wrist and uh, both bones and in my arm. And I was locked up in a cast and, you know, brace. And so there were an awful lot of things that I had to learn to do with my left hand that I had never done before. I still do them. I learned to do them with my left hand. It was a period of maybe four or five months, which is a pretty long time to be doing something that, you know, as a training period. And there are things that I still do with my left hand that I don't have to anymore. But because I learned it that way, that's the way I do it. If I had to go backward, I'd have to learn, <clears throat> excuse me, and accommodate, you know, to go back to my right hand for these particular things. Another, another theory when you're referring to language might be, I'll throw this out on the table, but language is uh, like a it's a muscle, but muscle has to do with your language, and if you don't use it, you lose it because, for example, in, in Spanish, you pronounce your R's very hard, yeah. like mm -hmm. ropa, yep. and if you're, not, if you're not speaking it regularly, you lose that skill. I, I, you know, I took two years of Spanish, I can never, I can never do the double R's, or the N's. Yeah. Never. So, and that's, that's. That is a muscle effect because mm -hmm. you're dealing with different positions of your tongue and your lips. Mm -hmm. So definitely, if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, you know that's interesting. That's that's, that's the me that's the mechanical part of mm -hmm. of language that I hadn't even thought about. So you've got the brain part where you have to think in that language, and then the mechanical part about pronouncing it. Yes, because. You never, you never lose understanding it, but you can lose speaking it. How about that? I always found it in the mate. I always found it easier to read Spanish than what to speak it. Easier to. How many times have I said I don't know how to pronounce this? I know what it is. When we're talking a name, for example, yeah. and a specialty, I say that to you all the time. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce this, right. but I know what I'm reading. Right. Well, yeah. How do you explain to, to a Spanish speaker um, the meaning of what, how to pronounce knife? Uh -huh. when, when oh, called, with a K, sure. I-F-E, or knife, mm. with a K. Uh -huh. So in, English has a lot of quirks. English is a quirk. Yeah, like bright. How do you tell them, uh, what's a DH doing in bright? Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and see, that doesn't happen in the, in the Spanish language. Which no, no. Read, so. English wound up this way because it's not a language. It's, we borrowed everything from other languages. So there are pieces of different cultures, pieces of different pronunciations, words. And everything came from somewhere else. No wonder we confuse people. And uh, we make up words. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. There come so many thousands of words get added to and subtracted from the dictionary each year. Well, that's why I've heard somebody say that's why English really is considered a live language, because we are flexible, we keep adding. Mm -hmm. There are certain languages you know you don't do that. I think it's French or what, who have lost the status symbol. That's why English is such a dominant. An example of that. Uh huh. Um, 
what you look out of your house is called a window. Right. Mm -hmm. And a window that you look out of in Spanish is the word ventana. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't call your uh, window system on your computer in Spanish a ventana. They'd say window. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Because it's a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So hmm. there's, a lot, there's a lot of words that we make up in the English language that don't even translate into other languages. <laughs> nope, they're all ours. Yeah. Email, especially in the computer, um, you know, that doesn't translate. People mm -hmm. in Spanish, when they're talking Spanish, they say, okay, I'll send you an email. Mando <laughs> an email. I know that that's really interesting. When you're in Puerto Rico and you're with your family and you use your computer down there, when they send an email, what what's it called? Well, it's called an email, and it's very interesting because this is another language that I've learned. And it's interesting you mention that because it's just making me realize uh, I use a speech synthesizer. So I get an email in Spanish, it, it's pronouncing the words um, in, in, in English. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It, it's not pronouncing them in Spanish. And, that, and I've learned, uh, it's like another language I've learned. I've learned how to understand emails. This might sound weird to someone else that doesn't speak a second language, but I've learned to identify those words, pronounce uh, Spanish words pronounced the way an English person <laughs> would pronounce them. That's a third language, so you got a hybrid of Spanish, Spanish and English in the one. Yes. Uh -huh. And uh, the brain is so adaptable. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, I'll, I'll share another experience with you. When I first got my first synthesizer, which was Windows, Window Eyes, mm -hmm. I almost cried because I thought, I will never understand this speech. And now it's nothing. Mm -hmm. I understand a speech synthesizer is just fine. Right. Well, have we solved the issues? I don't even have an idea of what the issues What the questions were. The really horrible part of all of this is if I had to if I had to tell you what all the questions were, We'd be here until next Saturday. I don't, you know, trying to reshape them. But we are talking about language and communication, and that's what we've been talking about for a good portion of the night. And everybody has different experiences. Well, I Which, Walden, that validates my comment about region and family and neighbors and friends yeah. and everybody influences the communication abilities. Okay, so what's going to be the future for communication? I think the future for communication um, has to be a couple things. Number one, I think that people that live in the United States need to learn English. And I'm referring to our students. And I think that 
our opinions uh, need to change a little bit, and we need to uh, put uh, diverse languages in the curriculum in the educational system. I have nieces that speak four languages with no problem because uh, they were schooled in Switzerland and acceptable to uh, speak different languages. And I think also that we have to embrace diversity because everyone here in America, in the United States, I should clarify that, came from someplace else. Even what we call Native American Indians, they came from someplace else because man wasn't um, created here and just suddenly showed up scientifically. That. I think the educational system has to really uh, embrace languages because I say that as I think when you embrace languages, you develop the skill of reading. And I'm a person that's a real fanatic about readers or leaders. And once you can read, you don't need to know anything. For example, I don't know how a transmission works. But I can read and find out how it works. And it's, it's something that once you can read, there's no limit. I'm a big fan of reading. If you don't have a, a grasp of the language that you are reading, then you're going to miss out a lot. I'm on your team. Okay. but. Let's face it. Let me get off the soapbox. But, 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 I think the future generations we're raising are not readers. They're not. They're not writers either. Right. So well, I don't. I don't think you can write unless you can read. So what I'm thinking is, I wanted the verbal skills going to have to be more important than the written skill in the in the next fifty years or so. I hope that we have the intelligence to separate the written word and the real language of our country and that not to, to try to incorporate uh, computer language. For example, how many teenagers, and I'm referring to someone 13, 14, right. how many of those people could probably not spell laughing out loud? Because they do LOL. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm just wondering, because they have shortchanged the written part of a communication skills, what kind of impact that's going to have on society. Um, there, I, might be, there might be people now that can't spell kisses and hugs because they, if you ask them to spell it, they say, yeah, sure, XOX. Mm-hmm. Patricia? Sad, isn't it? Patricia, what do you think? Well, I'm thinking about your comment about verbal communications taking over. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing, but essentially... That's what I'm wondering. I think that, that was the core of your message, that right. everything else would be supplanted. It would be a really minor part of getting thoughts across to other people and, and sharing them with each other. Um... I hope that's not the case. 
However, <laughs> however, having said that, yes. um, who 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 was upset about the term having said that? Was that when we were talking the other night? I think you and I were talking privately. Yeah. And having said that, somebody somebody was talking about that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm so upset about every time you hear it. It's having said that, yeah. but there really is. I hope that's not the case. Yes, yes. However, humans are so diverse. Well, there's a, a component that comes in with verbal communications that makes understanding much easier. Right. And one of the examples I used with us the other night when we were talking about a service provider, I said I'm going to feel a whole lot better about somebody who looks at a project and says, wow, we've never done something like that before. Right. As opposed to the person who looks at it and says, wow, we've never done anything like that before. Right. Now, the words are identical, but the message is so different. Right. How, would you trans- how would you translate it if you saw that in writing? Depends on your frame of mind. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, an, a, a verbal form of communication will serve very, very well. I'm not sure that that is the correct way to deal with correct, I don't mean right and wrong, no. I should say best. I'm not sure that's the best way to deal with all communications. I think an awful lot has to be in writing, and it does have the right tone if the person has learned the language his own language, not only the rules of grammar, but grammar and composition. I think there are an awful lot of things that belong in writing and not in conversation. So I hope that's not the case, that it's 100%. I I beg your pardon? Especially when you're writing something that's a mandate. Exactly, yes. Rather than a conversation. Uh Uh-huh. And even, even with some... You know, when when a mandate, I think a mandate is a great example to use in this particular set of circumstances. When you're doing a mandate, you want it permanent, you want it unequivocal, and inflections, as I did before, inflections and pronunciations and even regional interpretations can change the entire meaning of something that should have only one interpretation. Do it now. I can't, believe can't. Everybody recognizes what a stop sign is. That means stop. That doesn't mm-hmm. think about it. <laughs> that means stop. Yes, yes. What did he mean by that? Stop <laughs> right. in Indiana means stop in Mississippi means stop in Hollywood, New York, Florida, all over um, this country. So I agree with you 100%. Well, that's it. <laughs> I wouldn't have any kind of problem with enhancing our verbal communications. I don't want to let go of the written communications. I would rather add to verbal and keep written I, as, opposed to, as opposed to trading off. Having said that, <laughs> yes. I think there's, uh, we just have to strive for a balance. 
my telephone has the capability of texting, and I've resisted using text. I don't even really like email, and because um, I like to hear people when I'm talking with them, because, like you said, uh, the same words can deliver two messages. Now, is someone excited about what you're saying, or mm -hmm. someone uh, not receiving it? Mm -hmm. and, and, on the other hand, I'll accept uh, an offering that you need uh, as a person who involved in a conversation, you need to learn how to ask questions also, because if you're not asking questions right away, you're not getting proper answers, and there is a responsibility on, on both parts of the conversation. Mm -hmm. and There's something very right and very okay about saying, would you say that a different way? Yes. Yes. If you don't understand it. Yeah. There's a sentence that I use periodically as an illustration, and the, the sentence is, I never said he stole the money. Those, that's the entire sentence. If you put the inflection on different words, it says, I never said he stole the money. 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 We've got a different message all the way down the line. Every single word made a difference. Just the pronunciation. Now, if I put I never said he stole the money in writing, how would you interpret it? In writing? I would have to, uh, I would have to, I would make that decision in the context that it was written, what was, uh, what's around it, what, what are we talking about, and I, I would have to use that as a guide to how to interpret that sentence. I, I would use what's around it, this is around it and the theme and the topic. Yeah, and the key word that you used is that you would have to make a decision. Yes. Yes. Because Wait. I wasn't clear enough and didn't give you enough information. Mm -hmm. And you'd probably make the right choice when you looked at it in context. You're an intelligent, I mean a really intelligent person, and you can pull out nuances that the average bear wouldn't be able to do. Which leaves us with the average bear who wouldn't know how to interpret it. Did the average bear go to sleep on us? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. sometimes, sometimes he goes out for a sandwich. Hey, sounds good. The bear here. Yeah, no, but he doesn't bring any back for us because he doesn't want us to know he left. Oh, are you telling me I've been caught again? You know, you do that. I just love it that you can get away with it, too. The only time I've really, well, that's not really true. There are two or three times in all this time, two or three times when he really got nailed because I kept saying goodnight to somebody one time. 
and he and he kept trying to hang up, and Walden wasn't there to hang up the phone. He was out. In, <laughs> he was out in the kitchen. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, and a couple hey, of Walden? other times, like. Yes. I beg your pardon. Yes, I won. Don't you have uh, a pair of headsets with a mic that are Bluetooth, so you could walk around, and or are, or are you? Do you have to be in front of your equipment? Uh, well, if I'm gonna hang up on somebody, gotta be my equipment. Uh, <laughs> he uses um, a regular telephone. I have uh, for that one. Yeah, I am. Um, because you use Skype, is that why? Well, no. The way the phone calls are actually coming in into the board, and the board's the hard equipment. So I I have to I have to push buttons and hang up buttons and turn levers and levers and. So and, we got him that night. And, uh, you know, I was off doing stuff. And I put, I see, I, I have faith in my lovely and talented, beautiful co-host who's never going to let me, you know, get caught. So Every kiss-up works. <laughs> Every single one of them. That's right. And then, two weeks ago, he fell asleep. That's true. Oh. Well, it was Walden? a long day. It was Walden? a long day. So Walden? No, Walden. Is there any way that uh, you can get a system where Patricia could prod you with an electrical shock? Yeah, I probably could. <laughs> I probably I could. He's a treat and a half. You yeah. just never know. Yeah, I'm you just never eventually, know. Nothing predictable about this. Eventually, we'll come up with a system that way. She have full control. Of everything, and I can go make sandwiches. Oh, and then you can roam around and cut the lawn. I can I can make sandwiches for both of us, and email hers directly to oh, her. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, that would be. And cool. I'm in control. I like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in control now. Yeah, I know. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Too cool. So. I was just going through my outlook and noticed your email telling me about. <laughs> Don't call early. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the problem with written communication, you know. It just can be a little slow. Yeah, and I sent it out because Walden told me to. <laughs> oh, that, that's now, cool. I had reservations about that because we've been 15 minutes late at different times, and it didn't require any special communications. But we probably had nobody listening. Oh, well, that's not really true. Nobody got their emails in time. So everybody's going to think next week. We're going to be late. Well, should we, should we just confuse everybody and come on early? No, I'll just send out emails that say, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Too much fun. Well, I just cannot believe the conversations we have had tonight. It's really, really incredible. Very academic. Yeah, and I know, I know, that's a good word. Yeah. See, we're communicating. Verboy. Verboy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And I love it. Edwin, this is really cool because you've got two languages to pull into this conversation. Um, and certainly more languages, but but two of them are, are rock solid. Your first language is Spanish, and your perfect language is also English. So you've got two perfections there, but you can talk about things. I, we take this routinely. Well, you check Google, 
And what happens when, when you're in Puerto Rico and you want to check something in Google? How does that happen? I do it in English. So what comes up? You know, if you're, well, if you're, well, does your, Google's, does, Google's universal. Yeah. So when you do Google.com in Puerto Rico, you go to Google.com. You'll go to Google.com if you do Google.com on the moon. Now, how, when, but how, when something comes up that you want to investigate, how do you make it show up in Spanish? Well, um, there is a Google Spanish. There is. I did not know that. Oh, sure. You can do that for Russian, French, Italian. Yeah. Quiz. See, I need to get out more. You guys have to help me here. All right. So if I do Google.com slash Spanish, something really special is supposed to come up, right? I have to wait for my baby to work a little bit here. That is an error. Requested URL slash Spanish not found on this server. <laughs> this is so funny. It's got a picture of a little robot that's all fallen apart with a, with a frown on his face and a wrench in his paw. And it, on the left-hand side, I've got Google. It says 404. That, and the explanation is that's an error. Usually you get 404 error. Right. Well, there's an explanation now. We've got 404, period. That's an error, period. And then the next line, the requested URL is not found on this server. That's all we know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Very good. That's interesting because I thought I, I um, that's very interesting. Is it, it could, well, I mean, my, my, the server, my, my, um, what am I, what am I trying to say? My service provider. She has a my Mac. Service, my service provider is, say what, Walden? She has a Mac. Mac only knows English. <laughs> Baby, we're being made fun of here. All right. So, because my. Will it do it from Chicago? I thought it did. I'm not at my computer right now. I'm wondering if because my server service provider is anchored in the United States that it won't cough. But that's stupid. No, it should no, cough up something for me. That's stupid. Well, can, can you try this? Can you try Google to, just to see if it's a different page? Can you try Google.uk? if you get a different page. And, and maybe maybe the Spanish is dot whatever. Right and Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's dot Spanish. I don't know. What's it what Alright, let's see. SP um, maybe? I don't know. Spanish news. Alright, well let me see Google Spanish translation. That doesn't that, that doesn't that'll that'll give me a dictionary. I don't want that. Exactly. Okay, so I'm I'm supposed to try Google Hold on. Google. Now, usually what I see is google.com slash UK. But you're right. Google UK. There, there is UK. And then what am I supposed to do? Does it look like a different page? Well, let's see here. Can't find the server. Oh, okay. 
Um, well, that, that's dumb. Do I, I want .com slash UK or .uk.com? .com, let me see. I actually think, okay, I'll, I'll give you a website that I do know that looks different. And, and what they do is they use .co.uk. So oh, yeah. Well, I'll give you a funny thing. Yesterday, I got an email from Skype because some of the features I use, I pay for. Mm-hmm. And it's going to expire in a month. Somehow, it sent it to me in Arabic. And when I go... Oh, well, you know where that came from. And then when I went to the homepage of Skype.com, it's now in Arabic. Oh, interesting. And... So, Lori and I have been trying to figure out how to erase that, because he, he, the one he goes to is he sees it in English. Right. So, somehow... How interesting. Yeah. Well, I put in google.co.uk, and I've got a British Google that came up, and I know that because there's there's a very... Um, it, it's kind of cartoonish-type uh-huh. character who has a bowler on his head, a bowler hat, and a white, a white mustache like you would see on Dr. John Watson, and a tie and a jacket and a camera, and, I mean, he's clearly British. Oh, cool. Okay, so we discovered something new. So yeah, all right. The... So now, mm-hmm. so now um, for Spanish... Do you, if you originated, if you originated a website in Puerto Rico, what would the, what do you call it, this thing on the end? I would think probably uh, maybe Google dot, Google dot PR or Google dot CO dot PR. Well, let's see, PR. That would be interesting. Yeah. No, that one doesn't come up. ABCO.PR? Would that work? That's what I, that's what I um, left in there because I, I just changed out the UK. Um, MX for Mexico, maybe? Why don't we just, yeah, try that. Why don't we just ask Google? Nope. Why don't well, we that's what I started to well, do. That's a genius idea. <laughs> well, that's what I started to do, and then you made me put a .UK in there. Okay. Well, so I'm, I'm sorry. I started saying Google Spanish. Yes. And let's see what comes up. Google Spanish Translate ES. ES, okay. Does that sound right? Yes, to me what it does. What does ES mean? S is, right? Es Spanish. I don't know. Hold on. Google dot ES. Let's see what comes up. Google dot ES. And here is Google España. Well, there you go. Wow. I wonder where the F... Uh, I know E would probably be Espanol. Where would the F come in? Probably Espanol. <laughs> There's no F in Espanol. S, S as in Sam. Oh, okay, okay. I was hearing Frank. Yeah, I know. It, 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 see what happens with verbal communications, Walden? We have to put things in writing. What a, what a good example, right? Here, it's an excellent example. It's an excellent example. I can't tell you. We, I got sent to a website the other night that had the word advanced in it. 
D yeah. on the end. That's right. But because we were on the phone and it was attached to another word, the D didn't come through in sound. And the website I wound up on provided the same service, but it was a pit stop. Florida, I'm going to end with one thing that has astonished me, uh, Walton and uh, Patricia, is another reason why you really need to read and write and learn good grammar is because Websites, uh, the website might be callmeathome.com, but since someone else has that, you have to spell call without an L. And rather than two L's, you just put one L. Mm -hmm. I, find my, I find myself constantly asking people, how do you spell that? Right. And sometimes I feel like an idiot because I'm asking them, how do you spell call? I know C-A-L-L. Mm -hmm. People make up different spellings uh, for their websites. They, they do. They do. They do. Yeah. They make so up different spellings you might, you for. Being told, oh, our website is called uh, or is uh, I want a sandwich dot com. That doesn't mean it's going to be spelled like the written language <laughs> I want a sure. sandwich. Right. Sure. The measure is I right. Yes. We have a lot of businesses that think it's cute to translate a hard C into a K, such as Country Kitchen. Mm -hmm. Right. My business's name is Country Kitchen. You'll find me in the phone book. He forgets to tell you under the letter K. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, who looks for Country Kitchen under the letter K? Not me. Exactly. Not me. No, you know, I mean, it looks really cute in writing, but it doesn't translate very well. Nobody should have to spell country when they're looking. You know, have country spelled to you? You don't spell country with a K. No. So I'm on your side. And, and I've even had people tell me, oh, you spell it how it sounds. And, and yeah, right. Well, it, no, 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 it doesn't. Like country yeah. is not with a K, it's mm -hmm. with a C. <laughs> right, right. Oh, boy, are you right. No, and I spell out. Florida writer periodically because one night and we're on phone communications again one night someone clarified it and said R-I-D-E-R -E exactly no no I don't I, I'm not a motorcycle kid right. Florida writer if I were a motorcycle kid would be uh, perfectly understandable so I periodically will spell it out same way if you left out the W in writer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's another word that, that will just confuse the dickens out of other people. And for anyone who's listening, it's it's Florida writer, as in I write with a pencil, W-R-I-T-E-R. But so, as I say, I spell it out every once in a while just to make sure. Now, wait a minute. Oh, that's, a great that's a great idea. Are you really still a writer? Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't use a pen anymore. So are you really a Florida typer? Okay, I'm a Florida composer. <laughs> you know, he's getting wound up again, Ed, when I'm in trouble. Oh, that, that, that doesn't count because... Don't leave me! Don't leave me! <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count because 
I would uh, have to challenge him on that one because of typewriter. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. There we go. All right, all right. For the key... All right, okay. I, I will correct myself. Remember about, in the last century? Yeah, I, I'll, okay. Uh, Patricia is for the keyboarder at dot com. For the keyboarder at hotmail dot com. Someone probably has that. Are you going to take responsibility for returned emails? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. Jeez, <laughs> Okay. Let me think. I'm going to give you a question. Do you have a particular flavor like Detective you'd like in mind tonight? Uh, I like Detective shows. I really do. It, it, and I want to adjunct something to that. I just heard uh, an episode of the uh, Permits case. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, there was someone on there whose voice I recognized. And I don't know who it was, but I think that um, that show, that particular show, this, this is not a question, it's just a comment. That show was so interesting because it had some really, really good episodes, and then it had some episodes that were like shows to throw away. Yeah. Those are ones I call woofers. Yeah. yeah. Bow wow. Bow wow. And I have a couple of them in my really awful file. Yes. They, they deserve to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Did you hear the show? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was asking who did the hermit? Was he someone that we'd know by name? In L.A., KNPC was John Daner. Well, he was he was the he was the host, yeah. and I guess sometimes he, he had also, a role in there too. He didn't also he? played the hermit. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, he was the hermit. One, John Daner in the KNPC. One of the now, if it's if you heard, um, there's also done Detroit, and so I'm thinking you probably could recognize some of the famous WXYZ cast. Some of the famous. Well, it just depends on what episode. Yeah, no, well, we can figure out what episode, yes. Was there a difference in quality of show between California and um, Chicago? Well, I think that show came out of Detroit. I'm, I'm sorry, Detroit, not Chicago. I think well, we... I think, I, I think one of the things about a Hermit's uh, Cave is that uh, it was so early on in radio. I think that was like mid-30s. I... Mean, I I haven't heard really good quality on many of those. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was thinking in, in terms of quality of show, I've got a couple in my really awful file, and they belong there. And you heard a couple that were really good, and they don't belong in my file. Could the good ones have been produced in one place and the woofies in another place? I doubt it had to do with production. I, I think it would probably be a writing issue. What do you think, Walden? Uh huh. <laughs> I think what they did with the Hermit Cave, they used the same script in two different lo locales. Uh huh. Oh, okay. I'm so, indeed, there could have been a production difference. Right. 
if I'm hearing you correctly, that would have made, yeah. Yeah. Because I I have said at different times, I've heard some that that were kind of fun. I've heard some that were awful fun. Really terrible fun. Good thing thing we're using verbal language tonight. My last thought for the night was going to be on the weight issue. We were uh, discussing earlier, that you guys were discussing earlier about Raymond Burr. Uh Uh-huh. That also happened to Bill Conrad. And, uh, he was an up-and-down kid. Oh, boy. Yeah, William Conrad, they didn't take him to TV because of his weight problem. Well, they, you're right. That, they that's, didn't... That's, that's what I've read. I don't know if that's... Well, he, he did make it to TV, but not in a couple of the roles. We were talking about Gunsmoke uh, one night a couple of weeks ago. That's what and um, his, he did audition, or he wanted to audition for it, and the casting director, Walden may remember his name, the the comment he made was, after the word no, he said, when he stands up, the chair comes with him. Right. Which I think was kind of cruel, but I guess that's the way it was when you were doing cattle calls and trying to find the right person for a role you knew already existed, and especially had a track record. But yeah, he he was big, but I don't ever remember seeing William Conrad slender, ever. I mean, he, there were times when he was much smaller in terms of weight, but he was never a small man. Right. Yeah. But honest to goodness, William Burr was right on target with his weight in these early shows. I mean, Paul Drake, who had the shock of white gray hair, that was one of his distinguishing features that you might have heard people talk about in the television show. His hair was dark in these early. That's how long in between the shows and when Raymond Burr gained weight. These were the early, early shows. When Raymond Burr was skinny, wore a plaid jacket instead of a suit, and Paul Drake had dark hair. Did uh, Fort Laramie ever make it to TV? Did say that again, please. Did Fort Laramie? Yeah, I, you know, I think it did. No. Hold on, well, let me check. Raymond Burr in there? Mm, he wouldn't have been. Let me see. Radio, it was Raymond Burr. Yes, he was. Uh, Fort Laramie TV. Let's see. Fort Laramie TV series. <laughs> what do you know? Radio episodes, radio. Based on the film and the play, Fort Laramie, Fort Laramie. No, it doesn't look like it. Mm-mm. No, I can I can give you the name and address of TV Repair in Fort Laramie. Oh, no. And TV Guide that talks about Fort Laramie. No, it doesn't look like... I was just curious if that was one of the shows. Yeah. And I thought it did. I thought it was one of those that came through and stayed for just a little bit and disappeared, but not so. Hmm. No. So Raymond Burr wouldn't have been part of it because it never was. Patricia, you you got connections. Can you ask Walden if he'll give me half of that sandwich he's eating? (laughs) Walden? Yes. (laughs) Oh, no. Yes. You tease. 
Yeah. You tease. All right, Edwin, what would you like me to send you? I've been accused wrongly, everybody. Just want to let you know. Nobody accused you. We just called and said, mm-hmm. I don't have any little grubby little things in my paw right at the moment, so. No, it's all in your mouth. I don't have anything there except for... Okay, you're stuff. good. You're good. He stayed here. So, the, I've got my favorite husband and a date with Judy and life with Luigi coming to you. What would you like added there? Wow. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that... Um... Did he even ask, answer a question? <gasps> no! I have it all sit here, and then, and then all of a sudden you were talking to him again. Boy, oh boy. You're, you're making me act as, like an illegal criminal. I didn't <laughs> You know, I mean, he was in there before the store was open. Yeah, I mean, he could have hung up, you could have hung up like Ron and Patricia would have said it, send it to you, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's not nice, Patricia. She hit me, Walden. I know. Okay. What? Give me a question. Okay. All right. So, I, I left off with, how are you on detectives, and we started talking about something else. What yeah. did you answer? Um, what was the question? Wait. <laughs> what do I like in detectives? No. Are you into detectives? I've got some yes, questions in I front am. of me. I am. I love, I, I like detectives. I are, I are, he says. Okay, which detective almost never left his residence? Oh, that's an easy one. That's that fat guy that likes to eat <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, wolf. 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 Yes. Nero. Nero Wolf. Oh, right. Yeah. He did good. Now, that's an interesting uh, question because didn't uh, Green Street, was that his name? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, he went from radio to TV. Is that correct? You mean as an actor yeah. or as yeah. Nero Wolf? No, no, the actor itself, himself. Never yeah, as Nero Wolf. He did, he did some visuals. Was it uh, television, Walden? Film. Because I think he was... I think he, was, uh, I think he was gone pretty early before TV ever struck. So I think it was strictly more people knew in movies than radio. Yeah. Because he was, he was truly fat, right? Yeah. He was. He was a big man. Yeah, I, I knew he did some kind of visual, but I didn't ever remember seeing him on television, well, and now I know why, because well, Walton yeah. said he died before then. Really? Well, more people would remember him as Casper Gutsman in the uh, Sam Spade mystery. Oh. The Maltese Falcon. The Maltese Falcon, that's yeah. What, that's what put him on the map. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and I Casablanca, think... it says. Hmm. Huh. He was in Casablanca, okay. too. Okay. Maybe, I don't remember that. Well, 